Hello and welcome to another exciting and, you guessed it, jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. Today is the Season 9 wrap-up show. I'm joined by, as always, the wonderful Alex Facella, the man who picks the philosophers out for us all season and does an incredible job at it. And my buddy Jordan Ferber sits in for the first time on a wrap-up show. You might remember him from a previous episode, Jordan Feuber. Very funny comedian, good friend of mine, and we're going to get to that in just a second. You may hear some background noise. It's a baby! I have a baby! A little girl. I'm very excited. I'm loving it. Loving being a dad. And you'll hear more about that in Season 10. But, uh, yes, my wife and I have a little girl named Sophia. And she's in the background making little cute baby noises. Alright, listen. Before I get into this week's episode, we have a sponsor. And before I get into that sponsor, I just want to tell you to go check something out. I was just on a great podcast called Pretty Much Pop. Their website's prettymuchpop.com, hosted by Mark Linsenmayer. And I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He is the host of the Partially Examined Life podcast, which I've been privileged enough to be on more than once anyway. Uh, it's a great podcast that I highly recommend to people. Uh, Partially Examined Life, that is. And his new one, Pretty Much Pop. Partially Examined Life is a more serious philosophy podcast for those of you who are really looking to learn. And they go through text. And it's heavy, but it's informative. I mean, it's not heavy, but it's a heavy learning experience in my uh, estimation. Whereas this new one's kind of light and fun. It's a culture and entertainment podcast, which uses the Partially Examined Life discussion format. But they get rid of all the text except for some online articles. They don't make the guests read anything, which I was grateful for. And they cut it much shorter. And uh, Mark now has co-hosts who he says are actually funny, and I can attest to that, including one who is not a dude, which Partially Examined Life used to get a lot of emails about. Uh, go and check that out. Pretty much pop.com. In my episode, we talk about are comedians really modern-day philosophers? I weigh in. Who better than the guy who has the podcast? called you get it check out pretty much pop.com and today's episode is brought to you by a fantastic sponsor i'm really excited because they really are a fantastic sponsor it's skillshare skillshare is a platform where you can share your skills if you're a teacher or learn skills if you are a student like me a student of the arts a student of ideas a student wait a minute you're all a student because you tune into this show where you're always learning something, hopefully. So why not expand your learning and go to Skillshare? Skillshare.com is offering a fantastic offer to my listeners only, and I'm going to tell you about it. First, let me tell you what Skillshare is. It's an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. It basically kind of works like Netflix. Like you, you sign up for the platform, and you can just watch and watch and watch and whatever subjects interest you. You can take classes on everything from photography and creative writing to design and productivity and more. So whether you are returning to a long-time passion project or challenging yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, maybe you're just simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. And I've taken some of them, and guess what? They're absolutely phenomenal. I checked out some in illustration, in animation, in lifestyle, 
in freelance and entrepreneurship. And I'm telling you, the instructors, they have some pretty big name instructors and they get intimate with you. The camera is right on them. They talk right into it. So you feel like they're talking to you and you learn a lot and you learn behind the scenes of what these people have done to make it. And they give you great pointers and great advice and technical skills as well. So it's really a wonderful, wonderful platform that I encourage you all to check out. And you're like, all right, sounds pretty good. Maybe I'll get around to it sometime. Oh, well, why not get around to it right now? Because they are offering only my listeners this exclusive deal to go to Skillshare.com MDP and you will get two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Go to Skillshare.com slash MDP and start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash MDP. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. It's a no-risk trial. Go. Two months. Check it out. Learn some stuff. You like learning. You're here. All right. Now, without further ado, except, of course, for the intro song, the Season 9 Wrap-Up Show. With me, Alex Fasella and Jordan Ferber. Enjoy. When Daniel LaBelle was in school, he didn't pay any attention. He's older and wiser, he's learning philosophy with his comedian hench people. Each of whom is a wonderful sage in their own right as well. It's modern day philosophers. And now here's Daniel LaBelle. Two, one, one, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? It's the season nine wrap-up show. This is Daniel Lobel, and I'm sitting with the man behind the curtain, the one and only Mr. Alex Fosella. Hello. Did uh, I ever point out to you that Zach Sherwin um, said that your name, Fosella, the show, Philosophy, is a um, huh. interesting connection. Yeah, a little alliterative uh, guy yeah. with the subject. Fosella philosophy. Philosophy. That would be a terrible name for my first album, but that is good to notice. <laughs> I think he even had a smarter way of putting it than that, as he probably does. Modern day philosophers. Now I think he said something about the letters in in the Fosella. If you rearrange them. Yeah, there actually is a little bit of a similarity. A lot of L's can, and S's. Can you spell philosophy with Fasella, the letters? Um, no, because it doesn't have any P's or H's in it. I mean, but the phonetically, could you do it? Um, hmm. Fo- it would be. It would sound weird because it'd be philosophy instead of philosophy. Pretty, but pretty close. Fo-le-so-le-la. Like it would trail off toward the end, but you you get like partial pretty credit. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do this for the next two hours. We're recording in luxury here in Stand Up New York Labs, upstairs from Stand Up New York, in a soundproofed room. Mm, so we could just do murders up here? Designed for podcasting. And I think murders. In past wrap-up shows where we've had nowhere to record, we've recorded in a van. We were in a van for the first one. We were in a diner for one. Uh huh. We were in, I think we've been in cars a lot. Yeah, uh, uh, we were in a podcast studio in Brooklyn once. Behind a dumpster? No, I don't <laughs> think that's <laughs> We did things behind a dumpster, but <laughs> not anything that was recorded. All right, cool. Well, it's been over a year since our last wrap-up show. Yeah. So a lot's happened for you. Let's catch up on that. Sure. I've been doing a lot of personal growth. Uh, I started a new podcast on my own. 
about Broadway, right? About Broadway, yeah. So I, it's called Broadway Baby. Uh, until I was like 30 years old, I thought I hated philosophy. Um, not philosophy. I thought I hated musicals, <laughs> and I was like, they're dumb. And why you're would pr- you? You're younger than me, so you aren't that much older than 30, right? Yeah, it was really recent. So like a, a week ago. Yeah, about yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought I hated them. I'm like, who said? Well, you're all singing and dancing. This is dumb. And then I got just old enough to not care that it was dumb anymore and give uh-huh. it an actual chance as art. Yeah. And I went, oh, I love this. Yeah. Oh, I was never a theater kid. Uh-oh. And I had all these regrets. And then so I just started to catch up on learning about them myself and listening to all these different cast albums and stuff. Sounds very much like the premise for a podcast where a guy who never gave any attention to <laughs> philosophy. It's my modern day philosophers. <laughs> it is your modern day. Yeah. Except my, my Alex Vasella is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, so uh, I just started listening to all these, and then I would, as I do, I would make jokes about them on Facebook, about musicals and stuff. And then I uh, was hanging out with my friend Jay Schmidt, who's a comic, uh-huh. and his wife, Kimberly Schmidt, is also another Broadway podcaster. And we go to meet her to play trivia, and she goes, oh, I've been reading all your tweets, and I, I love when I see someone's Twitter feed, and I go, that's a theater kid. And I went, I actually never was, and I, like, deeply regret it. She was like, yeah. huh. And so she goes, let's do a podcast where we teach you about musicals every week. Right. And we've been doing it for a little over a year, and we got a good amount of listeners, and it's, it's really, It's a much really fun. more marketable idea than your last one, where you just had a toaster that yelled racist <laughs> things. I'm still very proud of my <laughs> racist toaster, although I'm not sure if it's aged well now that we're in the Trump era. But toaster uh. also loved musicals. If we had kept writing it, I was going to make him sing a lot. I remember when you told me about that idea. I'm like, all right, it could work like yes. an Adult Swim type of thing. Yeah. But uh, I did pitch it to Adult Swim, and I never heard back. Uh. So. But it did win an award at UCB. So That's cool. That's something. <laughs> Can you That's tell him a little to over, to over defensive about that? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not racist. It was, just, it was against racism. I still stand by the toaster. I do. Not, not with what he says, but... So it's been a long season. It's been an exciting season. I think we had an extra... Well, we definitely had more episodes this season than we ever had before because we had two bonus episodes because people died. Uh, And then I think there's even an extra episode in general. So I think this might be... I think this is our longest season ever. Mm -hmm. And so because it's such a long season, it's nice to have an assist when we go through it and recap it. And we are joined by a former guest of the show, hilarious comedian and good friend of mine, Mr. Jordan Feiber. <clears throat> Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. So this is a f- is this the first time we've ever had a guest on the wrap up show? We've had people barge in on the wrap up, so we gave them <laughs> the mic for a minute, but <laughs> not a, like, like planned. A, this is a big privilege. This is our intimate time. I don't even I didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. that this, this was is happening. how we <laughs> express love toward another, one another. Listen, I, I didn't even really know this was happening until like a half an hour ago. <laughs> so as as far as it's still being planned, it's right. like a reluctant three way. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, what's been going on in your life lately? Let's do a quick Jordan recap. I mean, uh, a lot's been going on. Obviously, he's discovered his love for the theater. Yes, it's nice to have him finally come out as a, uh, <laughs> a, as a Broadway lover. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm about to be a, a dad, please God. Very uh, exciting. Five weeks away. Seriously. And uh, by the time this comes out, you know, it'll be two years ago. Uh, Daddy Danny LaBelle. <laughs> the kid will hopefully be okay. Like, <laughs> judging by some of the, the length of how it took for some of these episodes to come out this season. Um, but uh, but what about you? What about me? What's been going on? Oh, oh my God. So much exciting stuff. I, I mean, you had me on years ago on, on the podcast. We talked about grief. Yeah. I have my own podcast, Where's the Grief, where I interview 
comedians who have experienced tragic loss. W- was, were you somewhat inspired from being on this show for, talking about For this? sure. Yeah. You know, and as I like to say, it's not all comedians. Right. I do interview other sad people, too. <laughs> So we don't that. have the market cornered. Um, but, but was it really inspired from being on this show? It, it was partially, for sure. Yeah, there Are were, you just there saying were, that or really? No, for real. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily say that it's just this show. I think it's partially, it, there are a lot of influences, but being able to talk about it openly with somebody that was really interested in hearing about it was was really inter- uh, fun, I think, oh, wow. which is a weird thing to talk about grief and ha- and think about that, that being a fun experience. So that was the first time you'd done that? It was one of the first times, for sure. I'll take mm. it. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. That's Modern pretty day philosophers close. changing lives, making content. Yeah, and I'm in I, that order. And I'm working on on trying to expand upon that. I I speak pretty re- regularly at these grief conferences now. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm going to be uh, speaking at a bereavement conference in uh, Nashville in October. Wow. And then I'm a keynote speaker at a bereavement conference in Hawaii in March. Yeah, we, you mentioned that. Go we, on. We will determine to figure out if it is possible to be sad in Hawaii. Yeah, mm. I don't know the about that. The age-old scientific question. Like I mean, is, is killing at one of these conferences, everybody's crying at the end? Is that considered <laughs> killing? Do you do jokes in the speeches? I, I have, yeah. Because it'd be great. It'd be, it'd be really interesting if they were like, oh, when he was talking about his what his brother meant to him, I was just so with him. And then he did those jokes, and I'm out, dude. Like, <laughs> you're like, I think I, I bombed, kind of. You're probably not even allowed to say killing in a bereavement conference. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, maybe I did not. A, I actually did a show at my bereavement conference this summer, and I talked to, to the audience <laughs> about how hard it is to... to to polish that material you know there's not a lot of places you can do that type of material work it out and even in the in the the cases where it doesn't work it's hard to tell an audience oh you guys didn't like that joke but trust me that is going to kill at my bereavement conference you could hang out at cemeteries (laughs) you just pop up from behind the gravestone i got one i want to try on you real quick right i was at a um funeral and it's weird to put it like funny story a great (laughs) funeral uh, somebody I didn't know, which made it, you know, it's easier to call it great when you're not attached to the it's person. It's definitely less sad, but it's somebody, not somebody uh, that you knew. Someone it's I know's just about father. Skill. Someone I know's father passed away. I didn't know his father, but I went out of respect to him because uh, he's a friend. Right. And the story of his father's life was amazing. And everyone who got up to speak at this funeral was like the best speaker. And I was like. I didn't want it to end. I I thought this funeral is just like <laughs> amazing. Encore. Wow! I, w- every story about this man was more fascinating than the last one. And, what and what I, were we gonna ask? I was gonna ask if they had a nice spread afterwards. What kind of food? Yeah, I was thinking no food. spread, but we no went, spread. I got I got some uh, some nice rice at the Chinese place next door afterwards. Okay, but it was um, like a BYOB funeral. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but bring a Tupperware. You're gonna want it's a pretty long service, but I'm telling you, once that pastor gets up there, killing it. Sorry, <laughs> it was it was an incredible experience, and I I I um I went up to my friend afterwards, and I said that was so powerful. I'm so sorry about your dad. I want to make sure we book these people for my funeral. Yeah, <laughs> start planning now. <laughs> Who books this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can I get five minutes in the end, like a check spot? Right. But I, I was pass out I was, the card, the greeting cards. I was I was so tempted to. Nobody make, can follow the grandfather. I, 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 I tell you that. I said <laughs> never dad, follow the headliner. I said to him, "Your dad sounded like an amazing guy," and he said he was. He was amazing, and thank you so much for coming. And I was so I was this close. Uh, you can't see the hand motion if you're listening, but <laughs> I was fingers so are very close. close. I was so close. I had this line ready to go. I was going to be like, I don't know if this is the time to bring it up, but I do think your dad owed me five bucks. <laughs> 
But I realized I didn't know the father, so that wouldn't the joke wouldn't work. And then even if it did work, it's probably totally. And on top of that, you got mm. to see all these amazing speakers. No cover charge. No yeah. cover charge. Yeah. But I was like, would he have? Would it have broken the? Te- would it be good to break the tension with a laugh in that moment, or should I let him enjoy the grief? You know, quote unquote, enjoy. Right. Uh, you, you know, use the grief to to heal. Like maybe there's a time you don't need to make a joke. It's right? so weird because it's person to person. Because some people would love that, and some people would hate it, and it's like crapshoot. I didn't right. know the deceased that well, but I'm here to help him settle his debts. Yeah, <laughs> specifically to me. Yes. So I, so I didn't do it. But then I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe it would have been good. Maybe it would have been some levity in in a in a very emotional, heavy time. I once, when I was a kid, went to a shiva house. You know what a shiva house is? A shiva house. Do you know what a shiva house is? I know what a shiva is. I don't know what a shiva is. Is it a haunted house? Kind of. (laughs) It's like when when, uh, somebody Jewish dies, the the family will sit shiva. They they hang out in the house for a week. Right. uh, And people come and they bring food and they visit and they pay respects to the family. So I once went when I was a kid with my mom to this shiva house in Queens. And I don't remember what I said, but I was holding court at the Shiva house and I had everybody cracking up. I was just I was just on fire. And then I left and I remember feeling guilty about it. I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. And my mom's like, why were you making everybody laugh in there? And I remember about a week later, my mom had gotten a phone call from the person who's we went to visit the, the Shiva house. And she said, you bringing your son, Daniel, was the nicest thing you could have done. I needed to laugh. It was just so much sorrow, so much sorrow for so long. Nobody came in and lightened the mood. And the fact that he came in, we all finally got to laugh for the first time since the death. It was great. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Like that, that, But I think it's too close to the day of the funeral. I think right? you found where you need to record your next album. Yeah. Shiva. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the Shiva house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. departed. <laughs> okay. So you have the Grief po- Podcast, and it's called? It's called Where's the Grief? Where's the Grief available on iTunes? It's on iTunes, it's podcasts. on Stitcher, it's on Spotify, and you can just go to wheresthegrief.com. And, and yours well. is Broadway Baby. Yeah. And we'll plug those two names at the end of the wrap-up in case you guys forget and you didn't write them down right away. But let's jump into the season without further ado and without the intro song. Jam-packed. Um, jam-packed. <laughs> Did you uh, say further ado or further ado? A Jew. A Jew. A Jew. <laughs> No more Jews. Without a further we're done. Jew. We're done. We're, d- we're feel, done with I, Jews. I feel like there's, there's going to be some more Jews. <laughs> it's going to be further Jew. Yeah. With, with the, the further show. Jew. <laughs> uh, so the first episode of this season was George Wallace and Montesquieu. Um, I'll open up to you guys first. See what you remember. And uh, if you don't remember anything, I'll He tell you. really wanted to change the subject whenever philosophy came up. Yeah. It was kind of great because I picked him because I had read that he wanted to be the mayor of Las Vegas. And he's like, I didn't mean that. I'm like, you don't get to say it publicly and then act like it's weird that I noticed it. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so it was so good. Like he actually seemed to actually resonate with it. But he was like, I'm stupid. Can we not talk about this? And then whenever I'd push him, he said great things. Of yeah, course, yeah. You know, I think I, he was being more self-deprecating than maybe he, he should have been. But some people get intimidated just by the idea of philosophy. Like I asked Billy Connolly to do this podcast once and he was like, of course, I'll do it. Yeah, no he'd be great. Problem. And then I, and then he said, so what will we do? And I said, well, I interview you and then we'll do some philosophy quotes. Oh, no, I'm not good at philosophy. I'm like, but you're so philosophical. He, he says, would trust me. He'd nail I, it. I know he would, but he just didn't feel confident enough that he would. And huh. he said, I'll just do an interview. And I'm like, well, I've interviewed you before and I'd love to talk anytime. But I want to do this. Yeah. 
He's Maybe like, I'll prepare no. one and you interview him and then be like, hey, well, we're at He wasn't willing to do the philosophy. And I'm like, you'd Damn. be so good. You'd, you, you, yeah, you, I'd pick you, a Scottish you'd, philosopher. It'd be great. It wouldn't, it, everybody's a f- intimidated by the idea of philosophy. I just did one for next season with this great guy, Reginald D. Hunter. Mm-hmm. Again, I did it in uh, Edinburgh. At first, he's like, I don't know about the philosophy. I'm like, don't worry. No, everybody says that. Then we get into it yeah. and, and y- 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 you'll love it. And of course, uh, he did. Good. Is, is there good banjo philosophy out there? Banjo for Billy? Yeah. That's uh, what he plays, right? It, it prob- Alex could find some connection for anybody. I'm sure I could find somebody who played the banjo. I'll tell you. Or I could just lie to you and say that it. One, either one. one literal- I, I remember being at the Boston Comedy Club years ago, and he yeah. was downstairs at the Bluegrass Night. Hmm. We invited him up to come to a set, and he was like, no, I'm just here to play banjo. Yeah. These banjo people, you know, the banjo, banjo comics. You know, Steve Martin, too. Right. Yeah. You try and get him to, to do comedy. Now he brings in a little comedy in the banjo. Right. But whenever they're like banjo, it's like, sorry, I'm banjoing right now. <laughs> I have a clear demarcation of my life. If the banjo's on, you don't talk to me about comedy. Non-banjo comics don't get it. Banter is different. <laughs> Non-banjo comics. This meeting of the banjo comics will come to order. You know Hi, what? Billy. Hi, Steve. You know who else banjos? Meeting adjourned. Kevin Nealon banjos. Is that oh, right? Cool. Kevin oh. Nealon banjos. When I went to his place to record an episode that never aired, of this podcast, he had a banjo. Uh-oh. I say, you know, Billy banjos. And he goes, oh, yeah, I've banjoed with Billy. I'm like, hmm. have you banjoed with Steve? He says, I've banjoed with Steve. Super group. It's a, it's a, it's a, there's a secret society a of banjo and comics that. I, I uh, just like that, I've, that I'm learning for the first time that you can use banjoed as a verb. I like that. Yeah. Me too. I just, I don't know. I just used it. I don't know if it's allowed. <laughs> Do you banjo? You I banjo? Ban- I banjo. You banjo, hard. bro? I banjo a bit. <laughs> I banjo all day. <laughs> uh, when is the Kevin Nealon one coming out? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's it's not, it wasn't my best work. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, it was Holocaust Remembrance Day. And I, I was in a bad headspace. I and just it was George Orwell, which is uh, they didn't get to the banjo enough. Really, is what it comes down to. I, I didn't go there with a lightness. I went there after watching a Holocaust documentary. Oh, note, rookie mistake. A note to everyone: If you're going to podcast, don't follow up a super sad yeah. Holocaust documentary on Holocaust Remembrance right. Day. Although our next episode is on the musical cabaret, so maybe I should learn about the Holocaust because it kind of sneaks up at the end. <laughs> or you know, watch it after. Yeah. See what you got wrong. I don't know if I'll ever <laughs> air that one. But um, here's an interesting little tidbit about the George Wallace one. He had me meet him at a airport lounge. Okay. Uh, an air, uh, at a hotel lounge, I mean, by LAX airport. Mm-hmm. And I'd never been to this particular hotel. I think it was a Hilton. One of the ones right you know, in LAX area. And it was some kind of black convention going on that day. Okay. Nothing to do with George Wallace, but I walked in. There was hundreds of black people in the lobby, and there was a lot of them had pit bulls for some reason. It might have been a black pit bull convention. Okay. I was like, "What kind of where?" You know. Then I then I went up to the, you know, the room where we recorded, which was like the uh, the oh, I forget whether those are ones where they would give you the coffee and the muffins and that continental uh, breakfast. Yeah, there's like a room, the President's Club, or yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. We, the we banjo club, the VIP there. lounge. I never brought it up to him. I guess because I was a little self-conscious about the fact that he's black and there's a black convention. I should have just done it. Just been like, why yeah, is there a black convention? You would have laughed. I don't know why I avoided it, but I, uh, you know, I just I'd never met the guy before. I didn't want to come yeah. off, jump right into race stuff. That makes sense. I mean, but just because he, it was a, a joking bid for to be the mayor of La- Las Vegas, that doesn't mean that he's not friendly with the black caucus <laughs> in the area. <laughs> What's this black pit bull convention going on at that hotel? I don't know. know. Um, My uh, my favorite moment of that episode is when uh, 
Because he's like, I didn't mean that. And you're like, oh, let's do it anyway. And he's like, yeah, but I can go to hell. Like, he, he was kidding, of course. But, like, yeah. I do love sometimes when someone, as almost as a defense mechanism, will make fun of me. They're like, ah, oh, why is he making me read these things? You know what he did? That's it was funny. very cruel. Well, it's easier, it's easier to scapegoat you when you're not in the room, yes. obviously. That's, at, my, that's why I'm here. At the yeah. end of the interview, he told me, you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to be fine in comedy. You're going to do great. You're going to make a lot of money. What a cruel thing to say to a guy. I haven't yeah. made any money since then. It's it's been over a year. Ugh. Calling you out, George he lied Wallace. To, he lied to me. Optimistic lying man. <laughs> he was very nice. <laughs> Don't hire him as your campaign manager if you <laughs> run for mayor. No. He, he's incredible. He's such an incredible comedian. Such his, a sweet guy. His tweets are amazing. And uh, and he had these. Do you remember? I talked to him about his yellow notebooks. He had notebooks full of no. jokes. He's just oh, writing maybe. and writing. Old school in these yellow legal notebooks. Just so many jokes every day. He could read. It made me feel like, what am I doing? You know. Okay. It, it was just. Uh, have you seen incredible. any of his tweets? Because they're pretty great. I have. Yeah. It's like shout out to hands. They're useful. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, is this a savant or what's going on there? <laughs> Very funny. Shout out to him. Yeah. <laughs> so George Wallace, amazing, and uh, you know, I, I've been a, such a huge fan of his for so long, and to get to interview him was really cool. And uh, and I thought it was a great episode, despite his reluctance to get <laughs> philosophical. Some of those are the best. Doug Stanhope's one of my favorite episodes. He was actively trying to throw the philosophy out the window, and it was still so funny. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he g- they get more philosophical, yep. sometimes less. But I enjoy it either way. Yeah, there was a lot of people misinterpreting what I wrote this season, but they all did it funny, so it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Next, Sal Litvak and Adam Ferguson. Do you remember it? Um, I don't remember exactly what Adam Ferguson. said. Said because I didn't read that one today, but I listened to it. I remember he's the accidental Talmudist. Accidental Talmudist. And he told a story about seeing his dead grandparents. Yeah, I cringed through that whole story. You did? You didn't like it? Well, because I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I just don't <laughs> believe because, it. Because you're not into magical thinking. Yes, right? as Lola Comp, uh, uh, Lola, Lola Blanc. Yeah, said, would say uh, yeah. I don't mind the magical thinking. Right. So like, it's good that he got closure. But I'm just like, yeah, but you did. I'm sorry, dude. You just well, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a believer. I like to, I like to hear these kinds of stories. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm more of um, into the whimsical stuff. Um, um, how about you? Where do you? Fall you know what? I don't. That? I actually think I might have missed that one. I got to go back and listen to that. Now I want to hear about. Uh, yeah. The, the good the ghost story. I get, I get enthralled by by stories like that. You know, just just yeah. hearing it, uh, sort of. On a surface level, from the two of you arguing about, it, I'm, I'm now I'm intrigued. This yeah. is this is every wrap up. At some point, he's like, "Yeah, but there's a god," and I'm like, "Yeah, but there's not." Like, it always comes up. <laughs> Listen, but my then po- we're such good friends, we just high five at the end, and it's fine. My, my podcast is talking to people that have just lost a loved one for an hour. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I I'm not that phased by, <laughs> uh, you know, what what might work for somebody else doesn't always work for me. You know. Yeah. I'm well, trying to find. Well, I loved Sal's story about just like how he want like everything about it, how his father punished him by giving him run, like running shoes and then yeah he's like, can i trade the shoes in for a bike and then he gave him the bike and then he became the best biker and then he got into harvard on like a biking scholarship or something yeah it was an interesting um trajectory of of a life just to like go from he ran to bike to want to be a lawyer in harvard to getting a film degree drop what what do you do he dropped out of law no, medical school. Then he dropped out of medical school to get law to law school. Yeah. Then he dropped out of law school to become a in, interpretive uh, artist of what was, performance artist. Remember something like and that. And then that didn't go too well. And then he became a director. 
Yeah. And, uh, have you seen his movie? Yeah, have was, you? No, I haven't. Where, where did he accidentally become Talmudic? That's what I want to know. F- he, uh, he was bitten by a spider, and... Uh, well, eventually... <laughs> well, well, it was a Spider-Man, actually. Yes. His movie is great. His movie was called When Do You Eat? I mean, he did another movie. The Lincoln movie story was crazy. Oh, I love that because he's like, yeah, but I was doing the Lincoln movie and then Spielberg did the Lincoln movie. Yeah, man. And he's like, I, I could tell you so many things, but you got to watch my Lincoln movie. I kind of do want to watch that Lincoln movie now. Yeah, yeah, me too. I haven't seen that one. I want to watch the uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter movie. That's the one I want to see. I've seen that one. You haven't seen it? I, I, I haven't seen it. I read the book. It was pretty good. They left that out of the Spielberg movie. I mean, you know, I, I feel like they came out so close together. Yeah. <laughs> Spielberg's movie really crushed the, the prospects. And Sal's Lincoln movie yeah. came out then, too. It was I would, a real Lincoln up, uh, swing. It was a Lincoln Yeah, I would love to go up to Steven Spielberg and just be like, just, just be like, I saw, I loved Lincoln. I just describe all the stuff that happens in the Sal Litvak Lincoln <laughs> movie. I'm like, oh, you didn't do that one. This other guy did. Later, Spielberg. Build a house just on the DVDs of all three of those Lincoln movies yeah. as, as uh, <laughs> modern Lincoln logs. Yeah, I got it. I got where you're going. Thank you. With it. Thank you. yeah that's a you know the funny thing about there's two things about that one it's like you're a comic and you're doing a joke and you've got this killer joke and then seinfeld's doing that joke yeah that's not my joke anymore and that happens in the film world with huge production budgets and like sal with lincoln and, and uh and you're like okay i guess i can handle it being a joke when you put it in that perspective you know, it's like that's his Seinfeld doing the joke type of thing. You yeah, know? I feel like jokes get a little more leeway with, oh, it's about the same thing, but they took it to two different places. Whereas a movie, it's like, hey, there's multi millions of dollars in this. You're not also doing one about Timothy Pickering or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's got to be like on every level people go through this. But for some reason, you know, you only see it through the scope of whatever yeah. you're doing. Especially when Spielberg just eats your lunch. You're just like, damn it. <laughs> or drinks your milkshake. <laughs> Wrong movie. Wrong, Wrong director, movie. but still funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet. Would his be like? I I drink your milkshake. I, I imagine he sounds very mild mannered, <laughs> Steven Spielberg. So Sal Litvak is uh, an awesome guy, and uh, I got to do a benefit for him after doing that episode with him. A few months later, he called me up to do comedy. Cool. At a benefit for his accidental Talmudist uh, Facebook group, he did like a big. I don't know if it's a benefit. It's called a fundraiser. That's right. To me, they're all... Are they the same thing? It's a fundraiser. And it was in this Beverly Hills home. It's a mansion. And in the backyard, there's like this lit swimming pool and this fancy catering. And And a bunch of pit bulls. And then just (laughs) a bunch of (laughs) pit bulls. And then he just says, uh, okay, um, now we have uh, comedian Daniel Lobel to do some comedy. Everybody's like sitting around, standing. There's no seats. Okay. They're standing outside eating, eating, you know, catered food. Terrible environment to do comedy yeah. in. Yeah. But I got paid and it was uh, very okay. nice. How of did the set me. go, if you don't mind me asking? Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. You got food and paid. <laughs> I got food and I got paid. So that's, you know, that's the thing. Did you get yeah, paid? Ne- next time you, you got to get, you know, tray past those jokes. <laughs> People eat them up. Yeah. It's, have you ever done any outdoor gigs? I have, yeah. Outdoor gigs are the worst. Yeah. I got asked to do one really recently and I was like, yeah, no. Because <laughs> it wasn't me for money. It was just at my. Oh, no uh, yeah, it was a friend's uh, father was throwing a party and there was going to be bands. And he's like, you should do a set. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> so comedy needs Sorry, a no. closure. Yeah, you, 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 know? you really only need like three things for a successful comedy show. You yeah. need a, a, a room 
mm-hmm. like a s- indoor space. Yeah. Yep. You need a microphone and an amp. And it would help if you had chairs and seating areas, but that's not necessary. Yeah. The, 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 right. the other three things where you need. Yeah. Well, you you, you'd be surprised how many people screw it up. Yeah. Even if you do an outdoor show, you put it in a tent. You know, like the most, yeah. the more that's enclosure, the better. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, or or it if also it's outside, helps if you get them really close up to you or something, so it's not just open, open. Yeah. It also always helps if everybody who shows up knows there's going to be a show. Yes. Yeah, so let's no no ambush a festival. I think they knew it was on the flyer that there'd be comedy. Okay. okay. So I got I got hand him to. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. It's just yeah. it was just a hard yeah. sell for me. How I long did I you struggled. do? I, I don't remember. Not that long. Okay. And it was very if it's nice. ten minutes. His like, contractually right. obligated time. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Professional <laughs> Not a minute more. <laughs> I, I did exactly no. what I was paid to do. But, but he's awesome. I Took love my sandwich. Fox. He's a really great guy. Uh, then we hit episode one hundred. Uh, a look back where we just uh, played little clips from different shows. Bill Burr. I did listen to that one. Yeah. Actually, yeah. How did it, how did it turn out? As I was disappointed back? I wasn't on it, um, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're, you know, the, at yeah. least my grief was represented for me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on brand. We had Marin on that. The clip from Marin and Maria Bamford and Lewis Black. Lewis Black still remains one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, because I'm the only person that remembered he believes in psychics. Because he said it on TV once, and I was like, file that away. That was amazing. And I've never heard anyone else ever. It's not on his Wikipedia page. It's not on anything, but I knew it was true. So I was like, let me pull that out. Yeah, that was great. I haven't been able to get him on my podcast yet, but I'm going to try. About grief? trying, yeah. Does he have anyone dead? Everybody's got somebody He lost a brother uh, many years ago to cancer. Really? Talks about it in, in his book. Well, you should have him. I highly recommend him. Great guest. Yeah. Um, haven't been in touch with him in years, but uh, if you can get him, I, I would recommend it. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so far, the only guest I've had on that you helped me get was Kelly Carlin. That yeah. Was, that was a good one, though. If I could help you get Lewis, I would, but I don't have that ability anymore. I He no longer has the same contact info. Oh. Mm. So... Somebody got a new That's agent. It. When you know, when famous people change their contact info, they also change all their friends. Right. Mm. You know, not that I was ever a friend, but you know, okay. like, that's it. Yeah. He's unaccessible. Now we to just got to tweet again. at him. <laughs> yeah. Tweet Sometimes that works. You're like, hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, I forgot to give you my new number, and then it's fine. But uh, he didn't get a new number. He just blocked everybody he gave free work to prior uh. to that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was cool. That hitting a hundred episodes was pretty amazing yeah how long have you what we've been doing this for six years i guess i don't know okay i mean i still have the very vivid memory of you asking me to do it when i was waiting to go on stage at a youth hostel show well i think we started in 2014 right 13 i think 13 yeah wow <laughs> just before doing a set at a youth hostel mm-hmm. i thought what's the point of all of this let's do a <laughs> philosophy pretty <podcast."> much <laughs> <laughs> like well i'm doing a show for 12 german 14 year olds which i've really done uh-huh and it actually went very well. Yeah? Yeah. It's good. It's it surprising. Make, if you can make Germans laugh. Yeah. I broke through that s- stiff, efficient shell they have. You seeming as, as Jewish as you do, even though you're not <laughs> Jewish. As Warren Holstein likes to say, I'm the Jewish Catholic in the world. You, you really do seem I'm not Jewish. Ita- I'm not Catholic anymore, you, but the Jewish Italian. Could, you could crash any bar mitzvah without any questions. Oh, yeah. You would probably be... Thought to be the bar mitzvah boy. Oh, because of your <laughs> oh so so this year I was doing a show 
and I don't want to say who this was because it might, might hurt their feelings, but it was so funny. She comes up to me, and she we I kind of knew her in passing, like we'd seen each other do sets, and she goes, so can you do comedy on Passover? <laughs> and I went, oh, I'm not Jewish. She goes, you're not? I went, yeah, I'm Italian. I get that all the time, though. And yeah. she goes, oh, well, because you, uh, you don't talk about, like, sausages and meatballs and stuff. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. And she goes, yeah, you know, like, like you're intellectual. You read. You know how Jews read. And I was like, you could stop talking right now. to Italians. I'm Jewish. I talk about sausages and meatballs. They rule. I've been friends with Liam McEnany for many years. And uh, about three, four years ago, I invited him over to my house for Passover. And he said, Passover? You're not Italian? <laughs> oh, what? Uh, how do you think I was Italian? He's Liam like, McEnany thought yeah, you were Italian? He said, I, he said, I just always thought you were Italian. Huh. So I guess it goes both ways. <laughs> I was a little complimented by it, though I'm very proudly Jewish. Like, uh, I don't know. Is I just Li- thought it was kind of cool that I could s- slip into another <laughs> culture in another Jew's mind. Undercover. Is Liam Jewish? He's, he's Jewish and Irish. He's Jewish and Irish, right, okay. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I'm an undercover ki- kind of person. <laughs> I, f- I feel <laughs> like me getting mistaken for Jewish all the time actually makes me the accidental Talmudist. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Now I'm very come, pr- get, come at me, Litvak. Very proudly Jewish, like uh, I have no shame in it at all. But it, it, there was something cool about being thought to be Italian too. Like, uh, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you really consider yourself Italian, then you have a full opinion and diatribe about the entire sauce gravy debate. Uh, we always called it sauce. I don't care though. Right. So I'm not that Italian. So not that Italian. No. That you don't fight for for the nope. sauce. No fighting. Just please, can I have some? Yes. There you go. And I ask very nicely. <laughs> Because that's my Irish side. I think everyone probably thinks Billy Joel's Italian. Yeah, but he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Yeah. So, that, so maybe that's why I like Maybe because so many, so many Italian mooks just are all about him. He made such a big deal about moving out. I mean. <laughs> Which is very <laughs> Italian. The yeah. Italian restaurant song. You yeah. Know? I mean, uh, who, who sings about Italian restaurants if they're uh, not Sometimes Italian? Sometimes Jews, apparently. You know, somebody that gets a good deal. They're a regular. He should have had a song bottle about red, a bottle of white. They, they always get that table near the street. <laughs> <laughs> Only Jews are picky you know. about the table <laughs> like that. <laughs> Not on the street. There's too much of a draft near, near the street. Yeah, little view, <laughs> little ambience. There's no scenes from a deli. I don't know. Why <laughs> scenes from Katz's. <laughs> it's just pictures of meat. Um, Tony Hawk and Marcel Prost. 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 Yeah, I had a when I was a kid. I wasn't into skateboarding. I tried once and then got a real gnarly skin knee, and that was over. But um, I had a poster signed by him that somebody else had given me. And I even then, I was like, ooh, famous skateboarder. Cool. Yeah. So to have him on. And he was really cool. He seemed really sweet. He was. He was really cool. Smart guy. Seems like a really down-to-earth guy to me. Yeah. 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 I, I went to his skateboarding lab, I guess you'd call it, headquarters. Where he experiments. In, yeah, in um, San Diego to record that. And it was like the coolest facility ever. It's like, I, yeah. I, I mean, he had everything you could ever imagine or hope to see at Tony Hawk's headquarters. <laughs> PlayStations was, out the wazoo. Oh man, there was there was game, gaming area. Obviously, the coolest um, skateboarding ramps, uh, boards, everything. They have food. There was no food. Okay. Not not out anyway. Yeah. There was no spread at Tony's Hawk's studio no, no, is what you're no saying? S- no spread. No but, spread? But it, it he was is still uh, pretty svelte. 
you know. He was sure very, is. very nice, very hospitable, um, very, very kind with his time. I was really glad I got to use that philosopher because I've been wanting to use Proust for a while. Yeah. Um, I still haven't read his book, but I, I want to. Um, but I really like the first time I ever heard of Proust. Um, have you guys ever, uh, you know, Alison Bechdel, the comic artist? No. No. She wrote the, uh, the book Fun Home and that was made into a musical. No. It's a really good graphic novel. But so she I'll mentions. Have to check that out. Yeah, she she's where the na- the Bechdel test comes from. It's named after her. Uh-huh. Um, and she. I don't know what that is. <sighs> and so <laughs> she. Uh, oh, that the Bechdel test, of All course, right. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Silly me. I, I <laughs> edit out that part where you were like. Mm. <laughs> but so so uh, she wrote the, this this graphic novel about her life, and she mentions Proust uh, in the context of making a metaphor about her dad, uh-huh. and so. In that philosophy where I describe the plot of the novel where he's like, I want the meaning of life. And so he looks in rich people and he goes, these people are boring. I guess being a celebrity is bullshit. And then he goes, I want to fall in love. And then he falls in love with a 14-year-old girl, which I left out of the philosophy. Oh. Um, and then he kisses her and he's like, oh, love's bullshit. And then he realizes it's art and it's really cool. But also, 14-year-old girl, not cool, Marcel. Yeah. Well, I know it was like 1870, but still. It's a real Me Too moment. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Um, but, and I was glad that it seemed to gel with him, with Tony. The other connection to graphic novels with Tony Hawk is that he gave me a quote for my second comic book for the back cover. Cool. So that was cool. Yeah, I gave him a fair enough issue one when I was there, and he wrote me a whole really nice email saying how much he loved doing the podcast. Good. And how much he loved the comic book, and because the email was just so nice and so kind i said would you mind giving me a quote for the second one and he said with pleasure and he gave me a great quote that's on the back of that's awesome the second one and everybody when they i've had several people when i've done um i did a few comic cons this year where i signed uh and sold copies of the comic book Mm -hmm. and people would pick it up and look at the back and they're like oh who's um this tony hawk (laughs) <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, no, that's Tony Hawk, the skateboarder. The Tony, Hawk. Like, it's going, Tony Hawk, the skateboarder, gave you a quote for your comic book? That's a random connection. I'm like, yep. I don't think so. Skateboarding and comic books, I think, go hand in hand. I think so. Yeah. 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 I, I follow Tony on Twitter and on Instagram. I like, I, I think His he's great. pretty funny. I, I feel like uh, uh, he's one of those celebrities that, you know, to, to use a terrible pun, I guess, skates under the radar. Mm-hmm. In a sense, if you follow him on Twitter, yeah. he has a lot of interactions with the public where they don't recognize him. Yeah, well, that's how yeah, the yeah. podcast <laughs> came about. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't recognize he came, he he thought he knew me <coughs> when I met him. I was at this launch party that my wife was um, writing an article about uh, the imp- the Impossible Burger uh, at this uh, restaurant called Crossroads. They were launching the Kosher Impossible Burger, <laughs> and my wife. One of the things she does is writes for the local Jewish paper. So she was there to cover it, and they gave her a plus one. So I came, and they put me at a table with Tony Hawk. And Tony Hawk kept saying, I think I know you. And I was like, are you a comic? I didn't know, like, who he was. <laughs> and, and then he's like, uh, no. I said, well, what do you do? He goes, uh, I, I skateboard. I'm like, I mean, but, like, for what do you do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, what's your name? And, and he goes, Tony. And then somebody audibly like loud enough for him to have heard two whispers to me. Some some woman goes, it's Tony Hawk. And I was like, oh, Tony Hawk. Oh, my God. It's Tony Hawk. <laughs> I wonder if having that level of celebrity where, like, when you know it, who he is, you get really happy. But if you don't know who he is, you're like, that guy's in good shape. Like, I wonder if that 
keeps him a normal person. Because <laughs> last time I saw him, he was a, a, a video game character on yeah. my screen. Like you're, I, you're made of three pixels. I hadn't that seen got knees. the face of the man in many years. You yeah. Know? So I just didn't. And I you never think you're sitting at a table with Tony Hawk. No, you never until think you are. Yeah. I've never thought it once. Nope. <laughs> you ever think I hope you think it one day. One of these people at this kosher Impossible Burger event might be Tony Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is, man. So random. That is pretty random. Who was? Who did he come with? Or was he the inv- the invitee? Or did I, somebody bring him as a plus one? You know what? I still have no idea why he was there. I don't think I asked him. I don't think it ever came up. I was just so thrilled that he wanted to do the podcast. Uh, I, I'm 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 interested now to know whose plus one he was. Yeah. Maybe he just goes anywhere you could get a free Impossible Burger. Could be. They are pretty delicious. Yeah, PlayStation <laughs> checks are running out. Good free plug. For I really like that. Burger. I really. Uh, now KFC. I uh, really like that part where he's like, "Oh, it took me forever to learn to be still and not have to always be working." Because like that's yeah. the thing I'm going through right now, trying to be like, "Okay, maybe you take a day where you don't run your ass ragged, and it will make you more sane." And you were saying how it was like that Carlin quote of like, "Live in the silence." Yeah. Silence has a lot of different meanings. It can mean quiet between words, or it can mean rest between gigs, or it can mean any whatever you need it to mean, you should learn to live in what it is because it's probably going to be more healthy. I was having this conversation with Logan Heftel, who has been is the other guy behind the scenes of the show who's mastered the audio for us since uh, day one, and he's also a great musician. Shout out to Logan. Um, but he and I were talking on the phone this week, and I was telling him the great dilemma that I have been pondering in my mind lately is um what was that black pitbull convention <laughs> exactly what i was like you I know i gotta know man I, I was telling him i used to get so depressed and then i realized depression uh the cure to depression is appreciation and every time you're depressed it's because you feel that your reality doesn't match the reality that you feel you should have in life mm-hmm. so you think you're you've been robbed of something you never even had so it's that um it's, it's that feeling of ingratitude that causes depression, ingratitude for what you have. Mm-hmm. When you start being grateful for the things you do have, it's impossible to be depressed. And I, there's like the study they did with prisoners that had life sentences and half of them committed suicide or tried to hang themselves in their cell or went insane or just stop, you know, started laughing like the Joker and couldn't stop for like years. <laughs> Why? And, and, so then serious. The, and then the other half just started thriving in prisons and becoming like the head of the prison library or whatever. Uh, and so these researchers went and interviewed them and they found that the difference was the ones who thrived in their life sentence were appreciative of everything they had. They're like, I have a, I have a bed to go to bed in. I have friends here. I have food. I have a roof over my head. I was at an Impossible Burger with Tony Hawk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the ones, who, um, the ones who went crazy were just obsessed with everything they don't have. They're like, I'll never get to go to a swimming pool again or have a beer again or go to the movies again. And they I'll never have an impossible burger ever. Right. <laughs> Much less with Tony Hawk. It's never going to be possible for him to have an impossible. It truly burger. is an impossible burger. So so that drove people insane and depressed. And, and the, the gratitude, those people were able to, some of them are even able to reform and have their life sentence uh, reduced to some other sentence. So uh, I, I started when I was battling my depression, when I went through a really bad depression, some listeners will remember. Uh, one thing that was a huge breakthrough for me was to start being appreciative. And then I got so appreciative that I became complacent mm. because I stopped needing. So this is the battle I was talking to Logan about. I'm like, where do you, if you don't have that yearning or whatever, and you start appreciating everything, 
you're like, yeah, my life is fine. Then you don't accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. But if you start trying, feeling like I need everything, I should have these things. You get depressed. So where's the middle ground? How about being appreciative of still having more work to do? Good well, one. Good way to solve it. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> also you could say, well, I have everything I need. Now I need to give other people what they need. That's, I think that's the real answer. Yeah. And yeah. the only thing I'm going to say to that is, Both I think, the answers, right? yeah, appreciation does help, but some people just have real chemical depression that needs to be treated medically. But as a common practice, everyone should also appreciate what they have because that does yeah. help. I'm just yeah. saying it's not a blanket cure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Depression is an issue near and dear to my heart, my sad little heart. So, are you depressed? I've struggled with depression a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I. I all right. I'm gonna get into it with you. I don't think okay. even the chemically depressed people. I think if they get appreciative. Um, I think that's not true at all. I think it is true. I think. I think it's impossible. I think it's absolutely impossible, even with a chemical imbalance. To be depressed if you if you fight it actively with appreciation. I think that's really ignorant. I will say this. Uh, I, I, I happen to agree. I think it's something of an ignorant statement. However, I like to think that uh, if you add appreciation and gratitude, that it will uh, help across the board. No it's matter a good how practice. you feel. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely it, it, a good it, practice. It couldn't hurt. Yeah. It might not cure, yeah. but it couldn't hurt. I but stand I, by my ignorance. I have friends. <laughs> I have friends who have bipolar depression, and they're like, hey, I'd love to get out of bed today, but I want to die, so I can't. I'll say this. You know, I think we should all be grateful that we've at least identified what some yeah. p- some problems that we might have are. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always good to at least know what you're suffering from. Exactly. Yeah. It would be terrible to have some sort of uh, mental disorder, and you don't even know what the fuck it is. But I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been depressed in uh, well over a year. Great. Uh, and, uh, and, it, uh, and I treated it myself with appreciation. Cool. That's great that you could do that, but that's not what a lot of people can do. What if I fall back into depression if, over this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, he was, uh, I was doing good, and he convinced me to be sad again. Ah, oh, crap. I'm ignorant. <laughs> the one thing I didn't I'm count sorry on. I snapped at it's you. It's a wrap-up <laughs> show and the beginning of Danny's decline. I, I love you, but you know how we argue we with some things. We we gotta, I, I think it's good. If you don't have anyone to yeah. joust with, you don't, uh, okay. you don't challenge your own ideas. I just hope I didn't sound stuck in uh, your own crazy. Yeah, I just hope I didn't seem like I was being mean to you just now. I mean, you may have seemed like it, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stand by it. Didn't seem like it to me, but who knows how the listeners feel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> listeners we'll, write in. Am we'll, I a dick? We'll put it to a vote. <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk will be the arbitrator. No, it's good that you challenge me. Yeah. And uh, I hope that it's good that I challenge you. Yeah. Um, challenge accepted. <laughs> Gauntlet thrown. And Jordan, you can ref. All right. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Ding, ding. All right. Moving right on. Mendy Pellin and Carl Young. He told that story about doing a show for three hours as his, as his first show and getting one laugh. And that is haunting to me. Wow. That sounds so painful. My favorite line. Bless him for getting through it. Podcast was um, when he he did the Hasidic show. Yeah. And um, he said the guy came up to him afterwards and he said, you know, he was furious with him, and he said, what, what what, did I do wrong? He says, you went up there, and you said, ladies and gentlemen. He goes, and? He goes, ladies? <laughs> You're not supposed to acknowledge the ladies. It's not respectful in the room. Hey, <laughs> lost like, him right off the bat. <laughs> Jeez. Boy. Some people are very easily triggered. Tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't win on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> uh, 
So does that guy hate Jerry Lewis? That was like half of his bit. Uh, yeah. Ladies, <laughs> it is disrespectful. <laughs> That's why he never went over. That's with why the he went to France. Hasidic uh, comedy <laughs> circuit. It's hilarious. Oh. Yeah, Mendy Pellin's very funny guy, and he moved here now. He's back oh, cool. on the East Coast. Is he still doing videos? He is. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he's good. On, he's got great stuff on Instagram. I recommend cool. you follow him on Instagram. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you see him on the circuit sometime. Now. Maybe. And I mean, uh, I'd recognize him. He now. certainly has some good jokes for the ladies. <laughs> 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 ladies? <laughs> How can you say ladies? <laughs> <laughs> and that was another cool thing about that episode was uh, drinking with him and singing uh, Hasidic uh, yeah. song at the end. And you blessed each other. It was really sweet. Yeah, that was a really we nice. We should all bless each other at the end of this. Yeah, we should be. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to bless every every, no. time, every time you run into someone. I mean, yeah. if you can't get them to do to fill in, you might as well <laughs> try to do the blessing. Oh, I had a story that um, so so every Friday, as we know, I get mistaken for Jewish constantly. Uh-huh. So every Friday, I get the people going, "Are you Jewish?" Uh-huh. And they lunge at me, <laughs> and lunge. I get startled. And so, which only makes you seem more Jewish. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and so, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm on this. No, 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 enjoy it. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> thanks for the enjoy. Yeah. I don't want to harsh your Enjoy your laughter. Yeah. Um. So so I was on the street. I was by Grand Central. <laughs> I was walking around at lunchtime, <laughs> and a guy comes jumps out and goes, "Are you Jewish?" I'm like, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> and I speed past him. Yeah. And then I see another guy about to lunge in front of me, uh-huh. and I just said, "I'm not Jewish." Before he said anything, <laughs> and this guy next to me looks at me, and I just went, "He was gonna ask," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I think I did all that just added up to a hate crime by it's, accident." It's funny that the same question that Gestapo used to ask us is now asked to us by Jewish <laughs> to an Italian. Uh, it's so funny. And so I'm just like, "Okay, I don't mind you asking. Just don't, just don't jump in front of my path. It freaks me out." I'm not Jewish, but I'm easily startled. <laughs> Culturally Jewish, I guess, then. <laughs> I've appropriated being startled. Yeah, the great irony is that every now and then one of those Hasidim on the street asks, are you Jewish, to a German. Hmm. And they hmm. go, payback. <laughs> <laughs> what do they want you to do? They want you to rap to fill in, like Jordan was saying, to put on... Um, okay. The, you know, make Depends it, on the time of year also. You know, you get close to Hanukkah, they want to give you a free menorah so you can light the candles at home. Oh, that's nice. They want to help you be more Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're very nice. Sometimes they'll give you a donut. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Watch not not on Passover, though. <laughs> but not on Passover. <laughs> okay. You don't get a free donut on Pesach. No, but, but you can... will get some matzah. Yeah, you know, you can get some I matzah. Like matzah. Yeah. yeah, he's going to start saying, yes, I'm Jewish. And the next thing you know, <laughs> he's going to be I'm just going to smell naughty words in there. To, to Is it the same <laughs> level of mitzvah if you get an Italian to do it? Shabbos no, Goy, I guess? I, I don't think so. I mean, if it, it, I mean, if, you're if, not, if you're not Jewish, there's... No, no, what no I'm saying, though, like, if, if he is. tells the guy, I am Jewish, I'd love to do this with you, and we'll do the, and he does the tefillin... The guy would probably say, sure, but... The I mean, guy... He'd no, smell no. that I'm not acting the part. Oh, you think you think halfway through he'd give <laughs> I, up? I, like, I, I think I would be like, all right, wrap it, and I'd be like, okay, let's... Okay, I can do this, and I would just do it bad, no, and because you would go, I mean, what are you doing? I don't, I don't, uh, I haven't, I don't really do tefillin, I don't speak Hebrew, but I, I know a lot of the prayers just from my childhood... And when they wrap it and they do it, they'd say, repeat after me. Okay. I, I, I know, you know, I know it when, when, when he says it. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. able to parrot okay. it pretty good. But I imagine if you, if you don't know it, 
how far through it does he let you get? Interesting. This is an interesting challenge. Next thing, cut to one year from now, he's converted to Judaism. <laughs> I did take intro to Judaism in college. <laughs> oh, if you have intro to Judaism I under have, your belt. I know I a little bit of the lingo. You might be able to pass. You get, gonna a, start get a free donut. Grow out your sideburns. Oh, my payas. Get, get some payas going. One time, they call, when I was... Can't grow uh, the beard, though. Before I even had gotten back into Judaism, and I was totally um, secular in my Judaism... I'm walking through Brooklyn. Uh, it's freezing cold, uh, December, and uh, one of them says, "Are you Jewish?" And I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> I was like, uh, "Yeah." And he goes, "Come with me." I'm like, "Huh?" He says, "Come with me." I'm like, "What? Why? Where?" And and then he just started walking. I guess, all right, I'll, I'll follow him. And he takes me to a truck. Like, uh, he's like, "Get inside." I'm like, "Is this guy gonna murder me?" It's like, a what? white van. <laughs> it was like it was like a, a truck you could like w you walk into like a trailer like Kay. for movies. Huh. I'm like, go in there. He's like, come in here. I'm like, why? He's like, just come in. So I was like, all right. He's if I get murdered now, it's on me because I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, like, what a lazy abductor! He's like, come on. I walked in. The whole truck was full of jelly donuts. He's like, help yourself. Oh, I'm like, nice. I almost said no to this. <laughs> 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 oh so boy! For me, take candy. <laughs> We've been from waiting strangers. for you. The, the chosen one. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, he had to ask if you were Jewish because, are you hungry? Would you like a donut? Was too easy. Yeah, <laughs> gonna run out of donuts. I mean, we all know the answer to that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject of Hasidim, we had Rabbi Manus Friedman on the show, the first rabbi to ever do the show. Oh, I missed that one. Um, that was an interesting one. Uh. It was interesting in that what he said was interesting. He was Bob Dylan's rabbi. Yeah. Which is a big connection for Alex. I love Dylan. Oh. I do. Who was the philosopher for that one? Um, Thomas, Thomas Nagel. Nagel. Wow. Good memory. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought what was interesting was I, I thought he had a lot of interesting things to say. He talked a lot about his new book about intimacy. But it was hard for me because he wasn't um, comedy savvy. No, you're making jokes and they were just not landing, but no. that made them funnier to me. <laughs> like, because they were <laughs> good the jokes. They were good jokes, and he was just like, just stone faced. Yeah, he was it not. Just, it just mm. wasn't picking up on his radar. The jokes. Did he have any good bo and then Bob Dylan stories? No, he, he, he said did. He, didn't. he did. Oh, but he didn't want to tell them on the podcast. And then he told me some on the way home, but then he said, "Don't repeat them because it's his personal stuff, and I don't tell think it's respectful to put it off, put it out there." I mean, you could have just right. referred to him as Zimmerman. But what he yeah. did say on the podcast, which I thought was interesting, was we were just talking about tefillin, is that Bob Dylan puts on tefillin every day still. That's huh. what he said. Huh. So interesting. That's interesting. I mean, you strap that uh, harmonica onto the front. I mean, what else? What else? <laughs> a lot of equipment to be the voice of and a if, generation. And if Bob Dylan asked me if I was Jewish, I'm saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan went electric, but, hey. that was, but it wasn't on a Saturday. Hey, Come here, I got some donuts yeah. for you. I got some donuts. Apparently, when Dylan went electric, it was not on Shabbos. So, no. was, uh... um, so having listened to the Monas Friedman episode again, a lot of stuff he says makes me very angry, and I'm not thrilled to bring that up because we're having a good time. But like, <laughs> yeah. he so he, he opens and says like, okay. I don't love when people say, uh, I love this per I, I'm in love with everything about this person. You should be in love with the person, which I think is a little distinction without a difference, but I see what he means of appreciate who you're with. Yeah. And then he starts to say, like, our culture has devalued intimacy. It's not sex, it's intimacy. And if you uh if you don't have sex with the lights off and make babies, you're doing it wrong and that's dirty. And I'm like, wow, sex with you must be awesome. 
Because a you're a, a drag. Well, why are you offended by it? I mean, I understand that you because it's, it's not what you sub- the philosophy you subscribe to. Well, but why more. does it offend you? There's more that offends me because then he goes, all these women are complaining they've been harassed, mm-hmm. and he, then he says it's just because of the free love movement made sex so valueless that now men just take whatever they want, and w- so he basically blames feminism for sexual assault, and that was really ignorant. I think really Bill Burr does a lot of that in the. Yeah, in his I don't know that he special. does that either. <laughs> Did you see his new special? Yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, but so I was like, "Come on, dude! Like, sexual harassment is not women's fault. You don't get to find a back door way to blame them for their own assaults. You really don't." I, I didn't interpret it like that. That's now how it I'd have to go to back and re-listen to it. I I, t- I didn't take it that way. Okay. I just I was I I thought it, I thought he had some interesting perspectives on things. I thought what he said about love, like. Doing for the person is. Danny also likes to have sex in the dark, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Three T-shirts. Do you like Do you like sex in the light? I mean, uh, I like a nice soft lighting. I'm just happy to be there, so (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about what the ambiance is like. I mean, but yeah, about doing things. He's definitely a religious uh, leader, and he comes off harsh. Um, I didn't think he came off soft. Uh, so that I thought may be off-putting to some people. He didn't come off um, like he was, you know. Yeah, tra- but like doing things for the other person, that makes a lot of sense. He said some things. I'm like, yeah, that's good. And then he was like, and by the way, this whole free love thing. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Dude. I don't know. You'd think that a, a religious leader is probably always going to take a pretty hard line yeah. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. on their beliefs. You know, it was really cool uh, was what he told me um, about – how he did that translation in live real time for the Lubavitch Rebbe, who is a great figure yeah. in Judaism. And he was giving speeches, I think he said in Yiddish, and he was asked to, to translate in English live for satellite television, right? Wow. Or was it cable? I don't remember. I don't and know. he said, like, pay per view Jew. He didn't know how he did it, but he was able to, like, as he was saying the words, translate them exactly. Cool. And, like, three weeks ago, I was in Malibu at a Jewish center, and in the background, they were playing a video of that day. Cool. And young Manus Friedman in the video translating in live time. I'm like, oh, my God, that's what he <laughs> talked about on the show. Wow. Was that the same yeah. Rebbe that Mandy Pellin talked about looking into his eyes? Yeah, that same Rebbe. Okay. Like, yeah, that, that's <clears throat> the Rebbe. Like he got that. Two things happened a lot on the season, mentioning of that Rebbe and people not knowing what despotic means. <laughs> What does despotic mean? D- dictators. <laughs> being like a dictator. I forgot. That happened a few times. I was like, oh, the Rebbe's getting a lot of play, and also <laughs> maybe you guys need a little vocabulary lesson. <laughs> Rebbe's getting a lot of play. He did. Good for him. Got to yeah. keep those numbers up. Got to keep the numbers <laughs> yeah. up. Everything's content. Yeah, he's a remarkable, remarkable person. Uh, I met him once when I was a kid, but I don't remember much about it. But Just everything I've read about him. He used to give everybody yeah. a dollar when they would walk past. It was like a blessed dollar. Hmm. So I, I used to talk people who are in Chabad are like of that movement. So I used to joke with them and they'd be like, you met him. You were, you were, you met him when you were a kid. What did he say to you? And I, obviously I don't remember anything about it. Here's a remember, dollar. But, but I said, he gave me a 50. Like, <laughs> they gave you a 50. I go, and then he whispered in my ear. It's you. I'm like, what's me? He's like, Messiah and keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place. It's interesting that he gives that out dollars because I've heard that what the Pope does is he just 
like touches you and just people burst into tears. I'm like, the dollar's way more fun. Oh yeah, than what Catholics got. If you want Jews to show up, you got to give at least a dollar or a donut know, or something. You show up and you don't give me donut. a dollar. That's when I'll cry. That's when I'll burst into tears. <laughs> this donut is blessed by the Rebbe. Yeah. <laughs> do I eat it? Do I not eat it? <laughs> what would Talmud say to do with the blessed donut? So moving right along. Yes. Uh, Luz Pazos and Giacomo, Giacomo Leopardi. Leopardi. I was. Th- this is one of those moments where Think I'm like, oh, scene. she knew him already. Cool. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's coming. happened w- like maybe three times. One with with Tom Rhodes. He's like, I love Seneca. Cool. And then she already knew that poem that I didn't even reference. She just knew it offhand. That was crazy. Yeah. She, that was amazing. That was Did neat. you hear that one? No. That was a great one. I. I Interesting about Luz is that she did she say she's only been drunk twice in her life? Something like that. Well, yeah. Once for 10 years. And <laughs> <laughs> she's very protective of herself, she said, because her mom got her so paranoid about men. Yeah, her mom was rough on her. Yeah, that <laughs> real was real rough on her. That was a crazy story. That was, was very I was like, I can, can I go back in time and rescue you? Because the other thing that stands out in my mind is when she said in, in Peru, you get on the buses, and if you're a pretty girl, guys just start masturbating in front of you as, on the buses. Yeah, not cool. Not cool, guys. Yeah, get on the train like everybody else. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's a neat, At least there, they don't make eye contact when they do it. It's, under, <laughs> it's underground. It feels more exactly. But that's uh, you should at least get free bus fare for that if you're something a like or a transfer or something. Or something. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and then she was like, "Me put too." Is all a, white girl stuff. <laughs> I put up with dudes jerking off my face. I'm like, that's also bad, but also this is bad. Put out a tip, a tip bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy yeah. to me to think that that's the experience of women in uh, South America. Yeah. I mean, in, apparently in Italy, it's also really bad. Like, they just pinch your ass and stuff. Like, it's just a, a, a – I don't know if it's like that anymore, but I had a friend who grew up in Italy, and she's like, yep, guys, just they just grope you, and that's just what happens, and we all hate it, but we're scared of them. So, so Sometimes I hear these things, and I feel so bad for women. Yeah. And then sometimes I feel like – I wish women would do that to me, you know. Like, if, what what if you were just sitting there and and a woman just start going crazy over the fact that you're a good looking guy? Would you, you would be flattered, right? I'd be a little spooked, but you would love it. Uh, you would love it. Would you love it? Um, I I would love it. <laughs> Are you just saying that? I am just saying that. I mean, I, I <laughs> so think, you'll give him a donut. I think we all say that because it doesn't happen to us. If we were getting it with, with, the, with yeah. the, the 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 onslaught, if it happens all the time, eventually you would get tired of if it. it ha- tired is not the same thing. I mean, what if it happened once a month? Uh, beginning of the month, end of the month. I mean, what are we talking about? You know, it's, um, is it the same day I pay rent? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. He knows what I'm talking about. Like, oh, I got harassed today. I better. Give Manuel his check. I feel like a little bit of sexual harassment from women would just be great for the self-esteem. It's obviously different because uh, I think women feel threatened by men. I don't feel feel like men feel threatened by women. Yeah, I guess so. But I, th- I think that's a huge distinction. I, I bet if we put up with that for a year, we'd be like, yeah, I get it. I get it now. I don't, I don't think know. I ever would. I feel like somebody, when I get you a... just go, I feel pretty. So pretty. <laughs> when I get a, a message on Tinder or something that starts, hey, handsome, I'm like, oh, that's probably fake. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a real it's person. It's always a fake. But I um, I've I've been hit on by gay guys. I always felt very flattered by it. I I never got upset by it. Okay. I've even been sexually harassed by by a gay guy, um, in comedy, and I won't talk about who. 
And uh, I've had a, ga- a guy try to pick me up via email in comedy, but I won't talk about it either. But let's check if it's the same guy. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I was like, I was like a little bit like, oh, man, I wish he um, cared about me because I'm funny because the guy had power in comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still nice that he finds me attractive. I'm not going to do anything. It's not uh, in my wheelhouse. But I, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I still appreciate the sentiment that this person uh, thinks I'm so attractive. Well, you, you know, you, know, you, are, you are all about the gratitude these days and the acknowledgement. But I've always felt that way. Like, I think it's because um, uh, this, this could easily turn sad, but Go I think it's on. because I've, I haven't had too many <clears throat> people over my lifetime express that they find me attractive. So there's a flirting gap. There's a flirt. Yeah, there's a deficit. <laughs> there's a flirting <laughs> deficit. So I feel like anytime anybody thinks I'm attractive, I'm thrilled, you know? Whenever I've been hit on by people, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, I, I don't think it's coming from a bad place, but I don't love it. A lot of older women hit on me in Edinburgh this year. Oh, really? Yeah. You're a Scottish 10. <laughs> <laughs> Only older women. They're like, like, I was ha- flyering for my show one, one, one day, and this, I, I said to the, this group of women all in their probably mid to late 50s, I said, come and see this guy. He's very funny and also... Very handsome. You know, it's a picture of me. Mm-hmm. And this woman looks at the flyer and looks at me and she goes, very handsome. Beautiful, in fact. <laughs> Are you also available? I'm like, available to do comedy later today <laughs> if you want to see the show. But she said, oh, too bad. And, and I mean, she wasn't attractive at all. She sounded very I, angry, too. Oh, she goes, oh, very attractive. And it was like a little intense. But I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, OK, I like that. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm married and I'm not going to do anything, but I felt complimented, you know, crying. I don't know. I have a flirting deficit in my life. Yeah. I got hit on once. I just remember this by a guy outside of the uh, was Boston Comedy Club. Then was Comedy Village when I was there. Mm-hmm. I was handing out. I was barking, handing out flyers. And this guy comes up to me, goes, now what's the difference between a bisexual and a gay man? And I was like. This guy's got very creepy little beady eyes. Uh, and I went, what? And he said the punchline. I don't remember what it was because I was scared. And he goes, uh, no, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> me, me I think it's they also date women. I think that's the difference. <laughs> but so then he goes, are you bisexual? I went, no. And he goes, you'll find out you are. And I went, I ran back to the club. I went, there's a guy I just handed a flyer to. And then he got real creepy. If he comes by, I am not on the lineup. Yeah. You'll find out that you are. Maybe yeah, it was really. And that's how he got psychic. Or and something. that's the story about how Alex got bumped from a show. <laughs> he was really looking forward to. He just wanted my spot. <laughs> what if ten years from now you'd find out that you're bisexual? I'm like, he was right. That's what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that was uh, Luz, and uh, I think she's doing really well now. Good. Since that interview, I've uh, been in touch with her on uh, social media okay. and. Text. She got she got the low bell bump, obviously. She got the low yeah. bump. She's got uh, big management now. She's doing some big shows. I Excellent. think uh, she's on the up and up. Yeah. About so not band. available for this wrap up show. That's how well she's doing. <laughs> she wouldn't even consider it at this point. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm happy for her. Jimmy O. Yang and William Jevons. I think it's Jevons. Yeah. Um, that was that was a fun one, to my recollection. I had so much more in common than, with him than I um, than I realized. Yeah, it sounded like you liked it. his book a lot. His book was amazing. Yeah, and then his parents didn't like the book, which always bums me out because. Oh, are you playing the, the episode? Jordan playing on? the episode by accident. Okay. 
It's the only way anyone ever listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 listeners by accident. Um, I liked that story he told about the uh, – he used to manage a strip club or work at a strip club, and there was yeah. that owner who would just call him from an unlisted number every time be like, nobody's like fucking you within comedy, right? And he's like, yeah, everything's good. He's like, cool. And he'd hang up. <laughs> and he's like, I have threats on command if I want them. Cool. And <laughs> Strip club guardian angel. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's hilarious, and that book I highly recommend people get that book because that book was. Uh, yeah, it was interesting the way he talked about like how to like American. A, yeah, yeah. he's like it bummed my dad out, but it made enough other people happy that I knew I did the right thing anyway. He was just being kind of selfish. That's what I thought. Of you this, know what's cool is that he puts his dad in movies with him and stuff. I mean that. Oh good. I, I bought my dad a. Um, a sandwich the other day and I felt like that was pretty good but I mean it would be much better if I could put my dad in a movie yeah. with me yeah <laughs> I mean that that seems first like we gotta get a know. movie made right <laughs> you know although put I him Monis Friedman and the banjo society yeah. if we get Monis on the banjo that'll be our oh end. boy he'll be like this is not intimacy <laughs> with this banjo <laughs> it's a thing I don't like things Thing. Well, uh, yeah. Once you have the banjo, then you get Billy Connolly, and then it's you, you know, you're, you're oh, can you imagine set. that guy in yeah. the same room with Billy Connolly? He that would freak his bean. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, you uh, got Bob Dylan. If you got Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan's got a banjo. You got Bob Dylan, banjo, true. Billy, Minus Friedman on the banjo, banjo clan. They bring us in. Learn a few. I don't know where this, I'm this going podcast is an elaborate gotta, ruse to build a jug band <laughs> out of celebrities. You're gonna have the it's best, the, the, the best house band at your live shows for yeah. these podcasts. Dun, dun, ooh, ding, dun, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Have you heard the one about the wild and crazy guy? All right, Mike Kaplan and Oscar Wilde. I oh, think yeah. this may be my one of my best pairings because. Oscar Wilde's writing is similar to the way that Mike Kaplan writes. Mike pairs very well with Wilde. He sure does. Um, you've heard that one too. I right? did hear that one. I'm a big I'm a, a big Mike Kaplan fan, so it was a as am I. a natural yeah. fit. I saw him open for Patton at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, and really? I did a show with him at a pizzeria like two days later. Oh, cool. Yeah, with Patton or no? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, uh, but no. <laughs> yeah, no. Mike Kaplan, very funny, very you know, uh, quite the wordsmith. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a nice guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a podcast that I'm going to launch called Tipping the Scales, where I talk to people in the weight loss industry. And Mike just did the intro song for that. Oh, really? Cool. Nice. Oh, he and did our new theme did, song, too. He did the new theme song, Which too, I really liked. with Zach Sherwin. Yeah. Of our of Modern Day Philosophers. The, when Dan in the Bell was in school. That's Mike Kaplan's <laughs> voice. <laughs> cool. Good song. So um, this is a very Mike Kaplan-heavy, um, or, you know, very yeah. Mike Kaplan-centric show. I like uh, uh, Mike Kaplan's writing more than I like Oscar Wilde's writing because I got halfway through years ago Picture of Dorian Gray, and I was like, this is wildly pretentious, and I had to put it down. I'm going to try to read it again, uh -huh. but it feels like a book that's entirely written in tweets almost because uh -huh. he was m pithy stuff, but oftentimes, like, like those quotes I gave you are like his big ones, like, uh, I can resist anything except temptation, and a real friend stabs you in the front, which are brilliant. Yeah. And then in other ones, I'm just like, this is not how people talk. This book sucks. Yeah, well, The Picture of Dorian Gray, ironically, is one of the few books that does age you. Yes. <laughs> As you read it. Yeah. I, I, one of my friends were asking me, how do you like it? I'm like, there's a picture of me in an attic enjoying this book. Yeah. As I'm <laughs> sitting here fuming, it gets happier and happier to read the book. Remember that movie where they had... Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yes. Yes. That's why I wanted to read it. I wanted to read all the books that were... Associated uh, all those with characters, yeah. That's a great movie. 
No, it's not. <laughs> it's you know, not a great know. movie. It has its moments. And there <laughs> are some great... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean for this to every third episode be us teaming up against you, but it just happened organically. I liked it. Okay. All the acting's good, and I like. Uh, there's a line that I always, I never go like more than a week without thinking of when I read the news where Dorian Gray goes, "Empires fall, there are no exceptions." Mm. And I'm like, that's profound for this movie. That's not. <laughs> you didn't like it. I didn't think it was a great movie. No, I, uh, I I enjoyed seeing all the you know those characters kind of interacting in one yeah. thing. But the comic book is amazing. Did you like Gangs of New York? I I did like Gangs of New York. All right, we've got that. Haven't you, seen. Did it. you like it? Haven't seen it. I'm pretty sure I would like it. I love that movie. Yeah, it's good. I think I Daniel Day Lewis is amazing. Oh, yeah. amazing! Wow. Yeah, I don't think that anyone's gonna argue with us on that. No. no. He might if he was playing a character that hates Daniel Day Lewis because he's real method. Yeah, he'd really. Could. He's like, no, he just calls in and goes like, I hate him. I hate that guy. I hate yeah. the fact that he was a cobbler for several years. Real fact about Daniel Day Lewis. By the way, as a Daniel, he does the name proud. I, Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. I'm very proud of anybody who does anything with the Daniel, Dan, or Danny name. Okay. Okay. So uh, Danny DeVito, I feel a, a closeness to him. Yeah. Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Tosh. Okay. Any Daniels, any Dans. What a lineup on a show. Yeah. <laughs> and you open with Daniel Day-Lewis, and he does like an hour as the My Left Foot character. Dan Schlissel. Big fan of Dan Schlissel. Yeah, he'd record it. Dan Schlissel. Dan Natterman. Natterman. Yeah. Good one. I think that uh, I have I have a bit of a, a Dan elitism. Okay. I, I know a lot of Dans that I'm good friends with. My friend Dan Mandelbaum. So, so, so don't know him, but I'd love to meet him. I mean, you know, <laughs> I do have a little bit of and I know it's irrational, but I have a little pride whenever I read about Alexander's from history, because yeah. a lot of us have done pretty cool shit. Yeah. One I of mean, them was great. Is that one me? Oh, no, no. I get it now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, he uh, was great. Uh, he was the great. I, yeah, maybe you're you're great. I'm, you're, yeah, he was yeah. the great. I've conquered significantly less deserts than mm-hmm. Alexander the Great, and then Alexander Graham Bell. So we conquer things, and we invent Scotsman. phones. Yeah, we write Federalist papers and get musicals written about us. Uh-huh. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah, you also have your own technique. Any yep. J- any Jordans? The uh, Alexander technique. Are is you that familiar? A th- no, Did I'm not. Stand out. Yeah, the Alexander technique is a uh, it's a posture thing that it's for for huh. stage and uh, for. For theater, uh, it's about uh, making sure you you are are in tune with your body, and it's about uh, having now. having, yeah, the Alexander technique. I, uh, no there, 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 I don't know how many famous Jordans there are. There are some some pretty prominent Ferbers. You got a river. Really? Yeah, there's Edna Ferber, the playwright, but there was also the Doctor Ferber who came up with the Ferber method on how to raise your children. If your baby is crying at night, and your instinct is to get up and see what it wants every time it, uh, it's crying. It will never learn self-reliance. You should let your baby cry itself to sleep every night. That is the Ferber method. Mm. But they don't believe in diapers, Jordans, too, huh? right? Well, it's like Jordan from the Wolf of Wall Street, but I guess he's there not. are Jordan other Jordans Belfort. out yeah. there. But yeah. my name is spelled with an O, J O R D O N. So uh, there's Ooh. very few Jordans with my with my spelling that have done great things prior to my arrival. Did you guys see the episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Lewis? No. No. Oh. Anyway, Jerry Seinfeld was saying at the uh, beginning of that that. Growing up, he saw Jerry Lewis, and he was a famous comedian. And He's saying, "Ladies, it's brave." <laughs> ladies, <laughs> he, he thought, sticking um, it to the establishment. He thought that uh, be, it opened it up for him as a possibility to be a famous Jerry comedian. So oh, okay. Somebody named Jerry who became a famous comedian made it seem possible to him. 
So I kind of I, I thought that resonated with me in terms of my relationship to Daniels. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because this is a year you made the switch from Danny to Daniel. Yeah, but even Danny's, I always felt that yeah. way when I saw it. But there aren't there are more Daniels that do well than Danny's. Well, I'll tell you this, I think you know, that's probably true. Yeah, I've never wanted to be the next anything. Like, I'm not going to be the next famous Jordan. I'm going to be the first famous Jordan. How about right. that? Yeah. With I'm, my I'm, with I'm good with it. With my spelling. Yes. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Cornered the market. Yeah. On the spelling. I'm with you. Yeah. The most famous Facella is a disgraced congressman. So I have a little bit to live up to. Well, you know, that's the thing. People always chase fame, but sometimes you don't get to choose what you're famous for. Yeah. Yeah. Chase, don't chase fame, chase name. There you go. What does that mean? After the name. (laughs) Oh, I was like, is that an added? (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) I was uh, like, that sounds deep. George Wallace was, has got a disgraced con. Was he disgraced? The George, George Wallace, Wallace was like a KKK guy. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah the, sure. the yeah. George Wallace guy from from uh, South Carolina, right? Yeah, that's that's not a good George Wallace. Yeah. That's not a good one. He he didn't give up on the name. He turned it around. Is he that said, it, George I, Wallace's can be good too? Yep. Is it so, South Carolina or maybe it's Alabama? Actually, George I Wallace from Alabama. Al- yeah, Alabama. Yeah, I'm I think Alabama. Sure. So that Mike Kaplan one was cool. I liked his ayahuasca story. Yeah, I like um, that he called it a ceremony every time. Ceremony. Yeah. That, yeah, that's how, you, that's how you get out of talking about how high he was. <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, blitzed at the ceremony. I like Mike Kaplan always goes says things like, that's a thing. Yeah, yep. that's a very and that is Kaplan. a thing, and That is a thing. Yes, exactly. I love the, the joke I remember most vividly from when he did um, Carnegie Hall. He just goes, I don't want children. Wait to the end to exist at all. It's <laughs> 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 really good. <laughs> It gets Wait so much till worse. the end. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the end is funny in itself. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, the joke man, Martling, and Jeremy Bentham. Jeremy Bentham, fun fact, friends with Aaron Burr. Hmm. I we shot was fun, but it was. I have fun with fact. those kinds of things. <laughs> Every fact that I think is fun, everyone else thinks is a bummer. <laughs> it's kind of a trend in my life. I'm like, fun fact. They're like, that's not fun. I'm like, to you. Yeah. I'm fascinated by these things. I like the I like Jackie's joke um, about the uh, <laughs> which one the, the one that he told Paul McCartney he, he mentioned in the episode where he said uh, you know the guy has the job interview and um, and the the guy in the the job interviewer says to him uh, what's your worst quality and the guy says well I'm too honest he goes I don't see how that's a bad quality and the guy goes I don't give a fuck what you think <laughs> you know good, that's a good one. So I, th- I thought that was a good joke and then I told it over to a comedian friend of mine and. She said, "No, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. That I is a good it. joke, but you got yeah. It's all in the delivery. Yeah, you right. Because right. yeah, you, you gotta yell it. I don't give a fuck what you think. Right, yeah, right. I, I delivered it better to her. I'm a, yeah. anyway. Um, did, does Jackie write anything, or is he all just just tells over okay. from what I could tell? It's and, interesting yeah, that he's he he's almost like like a Zen Buddhist kind of like he's just made of jokes. He's a stream of jokes, and he's fine with. He's like. I just I know all of them. I am all of them. Like it's it was a very interesting, yeah, kind of person to me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that it's like a joke jukebox. Yeah, and he doesn't even feel yeah. like he doesn't even clearly want any credit for it. He's just like I just know them all. I'm yeah. just the joke man. He likes to tell jokes. He yeah, he doesn't care so it's much like for to its write own them. sake. My favorite st- Jackie the Joke Man story though is the story that he tells about how when he first sold jokes to Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. Rodney invited him out to Vegas. And at the end of the night, they were hanging out. They were pissing on opposite ends of a dumpster the, uh, behind a casino. And Rodney leaned over and goes, welcome to show business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think um, one of the, the best things about that interview was 
just hanging out in the apartment with him before the interview. Okay. He was just a very funny, very nice guy. Uh, and I like nice apartments. He had a good apartment. Uh, <laughs> Always <laughs> helps. Nice spread. <laughs> I think he did put Not out like Tony Hawk's something. place. Yeah. I, cool, cool apartment right in Midtown near Carnegie Hall. Nice. And he lives right near Jackie Mason. I, I said it in the yeah, interview. Yeah. This is a Jackie uh, district of New York. Oh, boy. The two, the two famous comedy Jackies live like two blocks away from each yeah. other. Can't believe you didn't stop by to say hello. So um, that was Jackie the Joke Man. Uh, Barry Katz ah. is next. Barry Katz and Herbert Spencer. Um, the day before I listened to this again, where he talks about getting that really expensive jacket or not being able to, I had bought a really cheap, cool leather jacket. So I was like, sometimes you got to treat yourself. Mine was $20, but that's a lot for you. Yeah. Well, I, I think on a conceptual level, I think that, that, that it doesn't matter what the jacket costs. You know, it's yeah. it, it's it's self-care. Uh, yeah. As the kids say. Yeah. You deserve it. Go ahead. Yeah. Especially if you can afford it. Like, what are you doing? I remember, Jordan, you mentioning that you like that podcast. I did. I thought that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Barry Katz, you know, he's a, a very thoughtful speaker. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that he's a, a, a deep thinker as well. He puts a lot of uh, time into making sure that he's has his thoughts together. Yeah, I, I, deep guy, you I, know, yeah. something of a something of a, a, a very like a, a sage. Yeah, exactly. A sage. Yeah. Guy, for sure. Was and that the episode where you talked about your theory of um, working up to self-love by being like, I'm going to find out what I like about myself and then date myself a little and work up to love? Because that theory I thought was actually really cool. And like better than changed. my depression theory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because because uh, I've struggled with self-loathing a lot, like you yeah. know, my whole life. And I didn't realize I did until really recently. And I finally figured it out. Oh, that's a lot of my problems. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that does make sense. I could just go, OK, well, what do I like about myself today and, and just gradually work up to like, all right, I'm going to go steady with myself. Yeah. I'm going to do the you know, and then maybe I'll get I'll get serious with myself. And yeah. I, I think that was a really good nugget of wisdom. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, cool. All right. Well, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. I t- I'll tell you on the going back now. I'm like getting competitive on this depression thing. How would it be possible if you had a chemical imbalance and you were still able through that to be appreciative to be depressed? Because you have a chemical imbalance. But if <laughs> you said it at the beginning, if you have a chemical imbalance, yes, and the chemical imbalance makes it so that you can't uh, remember or focus enough to be appreciative that's not what it does though i know if if that if we were working off of that theory okay well so then you'd be stuck in a loop where you're appreciative for having a um, chemical imbalance that you don't remember why you're uh it's sadness memento yeah exactly there you go (laughs) sadness memento i got a tattoo don't be sad on my forearm (laughs) but i wonder if you could find someone with a chemical imbalance who could also genuinely be appreciative you, um, at a time when they are depressed. I know one. Um, I used to listen to Joe DeRosa's podcast, yeah. and he resisted taking medicine for a while, uh-huh. and then he tried it. And yeah. he goes, I realized Prozac doesn't change who you are. It doesn't – let's say your your mind is a dirty room. It doesn't clean the room for you. What it does is it scrapes off – the, the the grime off the room, so now the room is cluttered, and that's the work that you have to do. I'm for meds. I took meds for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm for them in as much as they can be a tool, like Joe DeRosa said. Yeah. But 
you use it as a tool to get you to a place where you can do the work. Yeah, but some some people that's that's a, my my brain does not make enough serotonin. That's just how it is. So I'm trying to think what else from the Barry Katz one really stands out to me. Um, it's interesting when if you take this with the other manager that got an episode this year, the Howard, Howard Lapidus. Yeah, yeah. And he said something, and I wrote it down because it w- really made sense to me. He goes, what a manager does is I, we paint individuals. So their job is to make the content, and it's my job to go, okay, what are the coolest things about this person, and how do I market them so everyone can see all the cool they're capable of doing? Mm-hmm. And it, I, I couldn't help but listen to the Barry Katz episode with that lens because they essentially do, mm. the, they do the same thing. And so it was interesting to having listened to that one first because I jumped around and going, okay, let's listen to how Barry – paints individuals yeah and he sounds like he does it by just picking it sounds like the both of them did it by picking people that they genuinely liked and believed in and then the rest it's like it's it's like being in a good relationship it would it would grow organically as opposed to having to force the people to like somebody that you don't even like what i liked about both of those guys and uh, to your point is that they seem to genuinely love comedy like yeah they they're not just in the business of it they are obsessed with it yeah. they are you know, everything but a comedian. Yeah, because they, they could have very easily been like, well, I, I love comedy. I could be a comic and then, like, struggle to do that, but they didn't want to. They want, I want to show everyone how much I love comedy, which means they didn't even think about fame. They just thought about giving other people their dreams, essentially, mm-hmm. which right. is a really, really beautiful thing to want to do. Yeah, I think it, it <coughs> between those two uh, gentlemen, it, it put a lot of things in a different and better light yeah. for me with regards to how I looked at the um, – industry side of comedy yeah and i i have never had a manager i hope if and when i ever get one it'll be someone who i can actually kind of trust yeah that's important that might be on on a curve but you know you listening barry yeah i i i don't know i didn't ask barry because he didn't ask me and uh you know i think who was it that said like oh it was colt cabana that's skipping ahead but colt cabana in the episode when he was talking about um his time working for the WWE. Yeah, with Vince uh, McMahon. Yeah, he said that he wished that he hadn't pushed himself or had people push him on them and waited for them to come to him Mm -hmm. because when you kind of push yourself on somebody else, they're never truly excited to have you. you Yeah. Didn't he say that his first wrestling persona was like, look at this Jewish guy. (laughs) I was like, yowza. (laughs) Should we skip to him? I think we should go in order. We're almost up to him Yeah, let's go in order. Uh, Lola Blanc and August Compt. Her story is insane. Yeah. A dude who prayed on her Mormon mom to be like, I'm Joseph Smith. And she was like, okay. And then yeah. it's just, and as all cults end up, it was just a weird sex thing. Yeah. Poor woman. Hmm. A lot and of things wind up in uh, as a weird sex thing. I yeah. Noticed, I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. I'm listening to a Manson podcast and that's pretty much what. Charles Manson wanted to be a rock star, and he wanted to have sex with a lot of women. Yeah. His music wasn't that good, although some of it I listened to, I hate to admit, kind of okay. And so yeah. he just made us – yeah, he wrote a couple of, like, solid songs. I'll, I'll send them to you. It's not something I'm proud to say, but uh, – Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, – but it didn't work out because every time a studio would give him, like, a demo time, he was so defensive – about how to, he didn't know how to use equipment, so they'd be like, okay, sing in the microphone. He would just pull knives on everyone, threaten to murder them, because he was so anxious. <laughs> and so, of course, they just did get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then he just started this cult as a way to try to launch his music career and to 
It's it's insane. Do you think you could be a cult leader if you put your mind to it? I think I'm charming enough that I, I could get a cult. It wouldn't be huge, but like, because here's the thing: when I've met people who like what I do, comedy and podcasting, uh-huh. there's not a lot of them. But when they do, they're they're really into what I do. Yeah. So I feel like that would be my cult. It'd be a lot of people who are super into me, but there'd be like seven of them. I think as comedians, we're kind of always trying to start a cult, like a little bit, you know, Real and, culty. And, and and most of them don't take off. Like I've been trying to get Jordan into saying it. <laughs> we're the open like Waco. Remember what you were saying? If you ever want to go unnoticed, um, if you're a serial killer, just go into comedy. Well, if you want to try to hide out from the authorities, if you're on the lam from the cops, if you go to an open mic, you will uh, you will not be discovered. Yeah, you're off the grid. <laughs> 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 it's it's so funny because like I've been trying to. Um, Get people to uh, join your cult. Join my cult for years. A few people uh, seem to have taken to it, at least w- with the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I would. Uh, this was never intended as a cult. Now I feel like we're freaking people out. Like, <laughs> oh shoot, am I in a cult? <laughs> um, yes, you're in a cult. You're in a, you're in a very. Um, it's a niche cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aren't all podcasts kind it's, of culty? Know, it's, Let's it's be like, honest. It's a boutique cult, really. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean. I'm not a successful cult leader. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it just dawned on me. <laughs> Never no, with that attitude. you got to believe before everyone else can. I mean, before you could... you got to write You got to write some songs. you got to put out some Kool-Aid. you got to have, you know, something for people to believe in. LSD. I even if I put out, like, locks and bagels, I would only get maybe a few... You'd get that Scottish lady. <laughs> it's a very attractive cult. Oh, you are beautiful! <laughs> You know, I love in Scotland is, drink the, the Kool-Aid. is the, that Scottish people call food that they like beautiful. And oh. as somebody, I it's guess, beautiful. who's always had like a bit of a food <laughs> a- addiction, uh, you know, it's a I, it, it resonates. Mm. They go Like my cousin, he'll say, oh, that's a beautiful pizza. <laughs> They're, it's really all about is presentation it? for them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it just looks like a regular pizza, but to them, they appreciate the beauty. See, yeah, the pizza's beautiful. Yeah, man. I do, don't know. do they take a lot of pictures of their food over there? Uh, don't they don't really. They don't make any beautiful food over there. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't tracked it. No. <laughs> I'd have to go on Instagram and hashtag Scottish food to see what's going on. Right. But um, do you take a lot of pictures of your food? I don't. I'm not a food picture taker. How about you? No, but I did recently because Trader Joe's had a contest that I entered with another person to make an ice cream dessert, and I made a. Chocolate beer, chocolate ice cream, and Oreo float made out of all their uh, Trader Joe's products. Didn't win, but I was damn proud of that. I'm impressed that you even entered. I never entered these things. I'm a big sugar fiend, so I'm like, all right, crack knuckles. You know, you can't win if you don't play, and this man plays. I mean, I do <laughs> tell people I don't have any children, and uh, and as such, I don't have any photos of my children in my phone, but I do have pictures of sandwiches that you might be equally disinterested in. <laughs> even though they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have pictures. I have a, a handful, but I, I'm not. I'm not big on it. I I made a salad the other day that looked really good, and I took a picture of it and I put it on Instagram. But I was a little bit reluctant to do it. You don't make friends with salad, Danny. Uh, you don't make friends with salad. <laughs> you don't make friends with salad. Oh, I need a high five on that one. Ah, watching TV alone <laughs> as a child finally pays off. <laughs> you don't make friends with salad. What do you think of Lola's music? It's pretty good. Um, that last song I really liked. I can't remember how it went, but and I like that you um, I like that you put it in the episode so I didn't just have to go. I'll open Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool of her to let me do that. Um, 
I think her music is so catchy. I, I mean, usually a lot of times you meet musicians and you're like, oh, let me check out your stuff. And you listen to it and you tune out after like two minutes and you're like, yeah. I, I don't know. But when I listened to her stuff, I was like, oh, she should be famous. Yeah. This is clearly I mean, she wrote for amazing. Britney Spears, right? She wrote well, a song she, for her? She wrote a song that Britney liked and bought from her. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't write it for Still Britney. pretty dope. I don't think. But, I mean, Lola's like, her stuff, it should have been, if you heard it on the radio, you wouldn't say for a second, how yeah. did this go on, get on the radio? You'd it's be, be classic like, oh, pop music. Just as good as anything I've ever heard, if not yeah. better. But um, that's oh my god that poor and she I like that she was like doing like social media for the cult essentially she's like I'm sending out emails to spread the word and everyone's like you're crazy and I'm like I'll show you crazy I'll get all these followers yeah. and so many likes and stuff probably before likes but you know so how did you originally bring up Manson oh because it was a sex a cult. thing you said yeah yeah most cults are just about having sex yeah. and, and he Manson. was he's the poster boy for cults yeah man think about People who try to start a cult and fail, how sad that is. Yeah. Depends on how much sex they ended up having. I mean, like. Yeah, maybe they're just in it for the love of the game. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody finally had sex with them. They were like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't kill people. <laughs> or, or just. How, many, how much is sex averted cults? Yeah. They just have sex with their first cult member, woman that comes along. Right. And I'm that good. woman won't let them out of the relationship. Right. Now they're, now they're stuck in this relationship. It's like, I never wanted to get married. I wanted a cult. <laughs> And then he starts having a cult on the side, and that's how that's how they get divorced. She's like, she pulls him by the ear. You're not starting any more cults. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just with my with my friends. You were you were getting culty. I know how you get. <laughs> you know you get culty after a few beers. <laughs> I just wanted to start a cult. I didn't want to be trapped in this life. You had one cult. Wasn't that enough? <laughs> you don't believe in me. You don't believe in my cult. You don't like my paintings. There's always an art thing that, pay, that cult leaders are trying to do that wasn't like plan A. It didn't work out. <laughs> Anyone who goes into a cult with the intention to make it a cult and fails. I mean, like I, I, like I said, I feel like all comedians who haven't made it are on some level failed cult leaders. But we don't go into it like I want to start a cult. No. But if you went into it, like my intention is to start a cult. Kind of, yeah. And you don't get there. I mean. You haven't, you haven't done your homework. Just drink the Kool-Aid alone. Yeah. And, uh, call it a day. Oh, no. Hello, dog is my own oh, friend. no. <laughs> I didn't make friends with salad. Gluck, gluck, gluck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we'll go back to Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana and Carl von Clausewitz. Clausewitz. Both, both great names. Totally. I, yeah. So my favorite part of this episode is when you have this really cool talk about wrestling and he seems like a really cool guy and he loves comedy and he's really sweet and you guys are getting along and then the philosophy comes out and it says a philosopher of war. He goes, oh, well, this guy, meaning me, clearly does not understand wrestling. He thinks it's all violence. He doesn't understand the drama and the humor and there's different genres. And then he goes, come to think of it, wrestling is really violent. I guess he knows what he's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but wrestling is violent. It's cool. It's an art form. I totally get you. But... Uh -huh. there's, a, there's a reason why bleeding was a thing. Cause yeah, you know what bleeding is bleeding. Yeah, where they make you bleed on. The yeah, where you yeah. you had a razor blade and in your like uh, sleeve or whatever, and then you go like ah, and you just cut yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, there's, it there's a violent element. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Colt. <laughs> but I, I like I, you. I really liked that uh, interview. I like I, a lot of things s still stand out from it to me. Um, I mean, it it really like. It got me to open up a lot personally. Like a lot of times, 
you know, you as, when I'm interviewing, I, I w- my intention is to get the guest to open up a bit, you yeah. know. But he got me to open up a lot. I felt. We 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 were wrestling with some of your inner, inner demons. <laughs> yeah. I rest. I Colts. I couldn't start the cult. <laughs> but but I felt like his story and my story parallel. Um, Comedy and wrestling is a is a very similar trajectory. But, like, but, but just like I mean, I never got to do like Saturday Night Live or something. Yeah. Like he was on Saturday Night Live of wrestling. Pretty he was much. A WWE yeah. guy, and I I imagine it's much harder to get. To where he is, uh, or where he got, and then have it taken away from you. Yeah. Then in my situation where I felt like I almost got somewhere and it got taken away from me. And he reacted to it in the like most emotionally healthy way. He's like, you know what? I shouldn't have been there anyway. I got my own thing. I wrestle now. I have my podcast. I make merch. I'm good. And he was inspiring to me. Yeah. Like he's a, he seems really happy and like like he found. What he does best, and everybody likes it, and he's having a good time. You almost joined the cult cult. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give that more because I feel it deserves more. I'm just saying, it sounds like you're like, oh, I, I, he inspired me. Like, uh-oh, this is what, yeah, what, what path is, are we going down here? Exactly. Yeah, the cult cult. That should be his podcast. The cult, cult of cult. Cult, yeah. cult of the cult cult. Yeah, I he saw him in Kool-Aid Edinburgh to drink after the too. interview. I, we got a lot of good feedback on that podcast. Good. A lot of people loved it. Wrestling fans are fans, so like, yeah, it's like bro- yeah. the thing. I mean, like, so wrestling people love wrestling, and the, what I'm learning about Broadway people is when they listen to a Broadway podcast, they listen to a Broadway podcast. Yeah. So I feel like the feedback we got for this is kind of I'm, I'm used to getting that feedback in other things, so I appreciate whenever a fan base gets intense for a thing. And I, and I'll tell you what I learned about philosophy fans. They Not hate as intense. Me. Oh really? <laughs> I don't know. They always everybody uh, who listens to this show is a philosophy fan. They always complain that there's not enough philosophy or that I don't have a good enough understanding of philosophy. He doesn't know what well, despotism is. Anybody that really likes to listen to philosophy likes a good healthy argument and these people just want to insert themselves. Yeah. 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 Although I've had some exceptions to that rule and they're always the most surprising exceptions. They're like professors of philosophy. Yeah, that we like get the nice podcast. messages from professors. Like the the ones who are like the most philosophy yeah. like the show but people who just like the open micers of philosophy fans, yeah, are not micers, happy they do not like me the, <laughs> we have a lot of great fans of this show and almost all of them are fans of the fact that they get great interviews from the comedians because of the philosophy yeah but and then almost none of them are fans of philosophy i think uh and feel like this does justice to philosophy <laughs> imagine <laughs> being a failed philosopher oof yeah well, uh, worse than AKA the cult. a comedian. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that. Yeah, I was gonna say I yeah. think I am. I could go to the big leagues of philosophy, you know, but they just I'm no failure, one's. But, I had know. some good ideas, but I could only I could really only build seven minutes around it, not a whole belief system. <laughs> you got to have at least forty-five for yeah. a cult. Yeah. Is that what the number is? I, I last I checked, yeah. Cult forty-five. Yeah. There we go. Oh. Works all the time. <laughs> you're, you're walking around Athens and, you're, and, and, and people, is he a philosopher? He's, he's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at him. He's going to he's gonna run philosophy by us and right. act like it's conversation. He says he's a philosopher. But oh, he's you're a bullshit artist. <laughs> yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. bullshit today? <laughs> yeah, Did you bullshit yesterday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So. Where are we at? We are at the season finale. AJ Jacobs and right. JL Schellenberg. He did enjoy the uh, the the initial play, the yeah. AJ and the JL. 
Sometimes I've done that a couple times where I'm like, okay, this works. And also I have to point out, like when I gave Arthur Schopenhauer to Artie Lang, I'm like, Artie, Artie. Artie, Artie. Had to do it. There's a guy in Edinburgh who owns a club called The Frankenstein. And uh, he's always drunk when I see him. Well, and I mean, you know, Scotland. Three years in a row. Not I'm, surprising. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's always drunk. I know this guy I from Amsterdam, home. always stoned. I don't yeah. know what the deal is. <laughs> but but <laughs> in fairness, there are many people in Scotland that I meet who are not always drunk. But this guy always comes up to me hammered. He grabs me by my shoulders and he shakes me and gets in my face. Join my cult! And he goes, Artilan! You need to get me Artilan! <laughs> To play the Frankenstein, <laughs> I will pay you. I'm like, I don't represent Artie, but you know him. You know Artie Lang. I love Artie Lang. <laughs> Three years in a row. Wow. Yeah. Well, he's back. Yeah. yeah. He looks good. He looks great. You know. You know Artie Lang. That sounds like I a threat. I love Artie Lang. <laughs> he's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I'm telling you, I. I walk into him, I see him, I go, oh no, and he comes right up to me, grabs, Artie! Artie Get him to the Frankenstein! Wow. And people say, do you work with Artie Lang? I go, no. <laughs> I barely know him. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that guy know, did you just say once, like, oh, my friend Artie, Somebody whatever. Somebody told him uh, the three years ago, okay. oh, you love Artie Lang. He had Artie Lang on his podcast. Oh, God. You know Artie! <laughs> He was just stopped. waiting for somebody. Oh my! Never stop. Maybe, never maybe it's better him. if you don't get Billy Connolly on your show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he's a delightful guy. I mean, he's very, very sweet, but he's yeah. very intense about the fact that I have to get Artie Lang to wow. play the Frankenstein Club. Whew. I'm, I'm close to doing it. I'm close <laughs> to <laughs> just. To I kind of want to see what would happen because I bet if Artie knew this guy had been hounding him for three years, he would have some kind of fun with it on stage. I feel like Artie would do a Frankenstein. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I think the key would get to be to get that guy to be fans of somebody you do know that you wouldn't have that big of a deal book. Get me Alex Fasella. I would be like, I'll do the Frankenstein. <laughs> no. See, see if he's an I'll AJ Jacobs. Is he an AJ Jacobs fan? Maybe AJ will come do it. He could do a quaint reading. Came to be on this podcast because he's a modern day philosophers fan. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's exciting. That is cool. I mean, you never know who's listening. You know, uh, it's happened once or twice, and I'm always like, "Oh, good." Have you read any of his books? I have not. No, you've not. I've, I've read them. I'm a I'm a I'm an AJ Jacobs fan. Ooh. I enjoyed uh, the Know It All, and my dad enjoyed it. And then I started reading all of. I read the other ones. I read the one about. Uh, the, the year of living biblically and how to become the healthiest man in the world and it's all relative and then there I haven't read the new one yet yeah, but the there's a new one. one what is it I think it's called thank thank you or oh yeah it's about gratitude yeah. right yeah it's about the I haven't read it either but I guarantee you, you read it you can't be depressed no but he's a good writer <laughs> I like him he's a I think he's an I think he's an interesting writer yeah and he puts a lot of himself into his writing which is always good because you know it's uh has a lot of has a personal feel to it I've only read the year of living biblically. Um, typical but I Jew. It was great, <laughs> very typical. Jew, yeah. um, 
I, uh, they hand it out of in the trucks full of Hasidim and say when they run out of donuts. I have. It's all relative. He gave it to me, and I'm ashamed to tell you I still haven't read it yet. But I, it's, it's relative. On my show. I'm surprised to learn yeah. that you were at the, the, the family reunion that he did. Yes. I, I Had I known, I might have gone as well. That's right. I didn't know about it until I read the book, so well, I didn't even know that it was happening. To the next one. But uh, I read that it was, you know, that it rained and that they still got a pretty good turnout. They did. Sister Sledge was there. I was on most, stage with Sister Sledge. Most of them, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Almost all the sisters. My brother and I sang We Are Family with Sister Sledge at the end of the show. That's the, pretty exciting. One of the sisters hit on my brother, and he regrets to this day that he didn't do anything about it. Well, you know. But if you're all family... We made it to New York One News, my brother and I. Oh. My, my parents were thrilled. Cool. They turned on the news. And there uh, you are. And our instruction. <laughs> they didn't just <laughs> randomly turn on New York One. Right. Nobody randomly turned... But we're like, check this out. And uh, there we are on stage with Sister Sledge. Well, that's exciting. Uh, and when I say they turn on the news, I mean they clicked on a clip that we instructed them to watch <laughs> on the news channel. My family website, my family saw me randomly once on the news and they called me. So I, uh, one of my friends did uh, an audition video for a movie where she did this video where she was going to pretend. They were all plants, but she was going to... Uh, talk to a stranger and then try to make out with them uh-huh. and watch them squirm. Yeah. And um, she did it with me and then uh, it went viral just out of nowhere. So I didn't know it had gone viral until mm-hmm. people were like, yeah, that video. I'm like, oh, my, my stand-up clip? Like, uh, that's fine. No one really looks at it. And my family, they text me. They go, did a strange woman try to kiss you in Grand Central? I was like, Started to put this together, and it was. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's ta- that's that's Farah." It's the first time you started getting messages on your Facebook like this video's of you, and it was actually real people you knew sending you a video of you, and not just a spammer. Exactly. I was on the news once and got people saw me when I crashed the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> you got yanked out too, right? We got yanked out. Kylie and I walked for get out of the way of SpongeBob. A long time in front of the Santa sled and the entourage of uh, toy soldiers. And we pretended we were like somebody's <laughs> and we held hands and we waved to e- on either side to the audience. That's so and we good. passed just about every news camera for like all the big stations <laughs> and we round up on every news. And wow. I, I just I don't I, I wish I not could one of it. them caught your arrest. No, <laughs> but I, good PR I, for the cult. Yeah, I like go. to imagine that they were saying, and here comes Santa and his saying some couple. <laughs> 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 kind of looks like a young a young Jewish Santa I, and his understudy <laughs> I think that is a, <laughs> I felt like I had broken into Christianity like I got into the highest echelon of the entourage you got into, you the, know, into the machine from the inside <laughs> Hanukkah Harry not on duty yet <laughs> very suspiciously a Jew seems to be part of Santa's <laughs> workshop don't worry we'll have him removed immediately but uh, yeah it's cool cool being on the news yeah I mean, well, can I, be unless you're part of a yeah. failed cult. Yeah, uh, it was interesting to me that a- AJ uh, he he's, he did that year of living biblically, and you're like, did it make you believe? And he's like, no, but I appreciated the experience. And yeah, so it was what? like he was open minded about the whole thing. It was really cool. I thought it was interesting that he said that he he prayed five times a day, and so there were parts of it, of it that um, he felt like he was getting more uh, believing. Yeah, more. it was almost like a or you know con- connecting to it. You know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, he he. If you've read all of his, I've read all of his books. I think he's a very uh, uh, curious writer. I feel like he's open to possibilities on on uh, uh, regardless of what his own thoughts going into it are. Yeah. Um. And he's very good at uh, he, he he's very good at self-effacing. You know, he, he's yeah. he's good at um, uh, laughing at himself a little bit and his own notions of what might be. And I think that um, 
He was he was funny even on the on the show. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was very. And I, he seemed to enjoy your humor. You got some good laughs out of him. Did I? Yeah. I don't remember, but I. It I, wasn't I, a Monas Friedman situation. <laughs> I'm telling you, I. You know what? One thing I found out. Uh, I talked to somebody afterwards who knows him and uh, an, who's in the rabbi world. <laughs> in the rabbi circuit. He's like actually, Monas has a pretty good sense of humor. But I think that he was uncomfortable in the situation, and he hmm. didn't know if you were going to try and like sandbag him or something. Oh, and and I guess like some people have tried to do that. So he, his guard was up, so he couldn't like relax okay. and laugh. I oh. can't remember what it was. You made some joke at him, and it didn't get a laugh. But I was laughing so hard because it was really funny, and then the silence made it better <laughs> to me. I just can't remember what it was, but it was something really clever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is something really funny about watching a joke bomb. Yeah. Um, I s- especially for comedians. Like, we love to watch a joke bomb. Like, We love watching other comedians yes. bomb. Yeah. We don't I, like I, it when I, we're not, not Certainly us, not me. Not, <laughs> when you're, not when the call is coming you know, from inside the house. The one or two times it's happened, I don't think I had a camera on, so it's fine. <laughs> I once had a comic come up to me. He goes, you know, I don't want to brag, but I've never bombed. I went, you've done this seven times. Let's let that dream die right yeah. now. I believe the phrase is yet. Yes. Oh, sorry, I got distracted while you guys were talking because I was looking up the name of A.J. Jacobs' new book. It's called Thank- Thanks a Thousand. Thanks a Thousand. A Gratitude Journey. He's one of those He would have sold more if he said thank you 3,000. Oh, huh? Iron huh? Man. An endgame tie-in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm sad about <laughs> that. Um, uh, I, I do appreciate that all of his books seem to be themed around, or at least the ones you're telling me about, around him doing something. It's yeah. not just like... One of those writers that, and I love writers who just will stream a consciousness or whatever, but it's he's like, okay, I wanted to do something. So it's not like he's just sitting there writing and eating his own tail. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go get an experience because that's part of the writing process. Right. And that's something I always forget as a comic. I got, I'm always like, I got to work and I got to write all the time and I got to always be doing comedy. But like, then what are you talking about? You have no perspective anymore. Right. You have no, you have nothing to say right. and you don't have a life. So. No, his, I thought all of it's the like books are the, the first one, the, uh, the, the know-it-all. He, he reads the encyclopedia from yeah. A to Z. Uh, uh, apparently, his dad tried to do the same thing when he was growing up, but only got into the B's okay. and gave it up because he had to raise a family. Yeah. And, and, and he decided that he was going to do it, and he made it like his life for a year. Yeah. And so he was alternately, apparently, really boring and uh, uh, really intellectual. You know, okay. he knew a lot of things about stuff that nobody cared yeah. about. And he said that he retains less than 1% of it. And part right. of me is like, oh, man, that's all you got? Well, the book that's has sad. a lot. Of, he, he includes a lot of the stuff in the book. As I told Danny, okay. it's, it's way, he, the book has way more tidbits of useless information than yes. just how many nipples possums have and, yeah. uh, and, and, and what design they're in. You knew that? Uh, from the episode, he said. <laughs> is it weird that I'm like, why is it an odd number? Shouldn't it be 12? Yeah, it is interesting. Are they in a circle? Like they're all holding hands? What's funny about in some a cult? Of, what's funny about his, his books, too, though, is like he's so excited about some things and his wife just doesn't want him to bring it up anywhere. <laughs> like, please, it's fine that you do that, but please don't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sally doesn't care about the possum nips. And uh, she she tolerates a lot of a lot of his uh, uh, going there. But it's it's amusing to me to see that he'll, you know, that that she's a character in his book because yeah. she's a character in his life. But I'm not going to lie. I was pretty flattered by the fact that we have such a uh, intellectual fan of the yeah. show with positive a, things to say. Yeah. Some Tal- of you, a talented guy. Yeah. <laughs> Who's some of you? I, that's some of you, like some, I meant some of oh, you. Oh, some of you. Yeah, who are being mean to us. Oh. Who? Just like the people you told us were leaving oh, mean just comments. 
the angry philosophy yes. fans. Yeah. Well, whether or not you would call him an intellectual or not, I think it's nice to know that one of uh, your guests is listening to this wrap-up show. And is literate. Yeah, and and and, and, Sup, and AJ, and and we'll write into this show after I, the fact. Yeah, unless he's too mad at me for how long it took for the uh, thing to come out. We, I we, got a whole another year of living biblically before <laughs> this thing came out. <laughs> Wasting my biblical time. It was Danny's Danny's uh, thing is gonna uh, the year of living patiently. Patiently. <laughs> well, he's doing the year of living veganly right now. I, yeah, I'm living. I'm living veganly. I feel great. You're looking I good. I, I I lost weight. Uh, as Alex mentioned, Alex mentioned, I I look fantastic. Can't say that. <laughs> He's about beautiful, you, lovely, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, Un- unbelievable, like a pizza, <laughs> <laughs> like a veggie pizza. So I think that wraps up uh, pretty much it. We also had two special episodes, unfortunately, because people died, mm. um, and uh, that was uh, the Ralphie May tribute. Very touching. Yeah. That was the most work I've ever done on putting out any podcast, both speaking emotionally. It was a lot of work mm-hmm. and just as an editor, it mm. was a lot of work. Yeah. Like uh, it just took it just took a lot out of me um, revisiting a lot of that stuff, going back to the um, just going back to the old interviews with Ralphie. Yeah. Hearing him alive. Yeah. Really. And that like. Was I'm sure a very fresh wound for you as our grief expert may be able to tell you I mean just it brought a lot of grief up for me it was really hard to hear him alive and having fun and laughing yeah I don't know how many people have recordings of a lot of their encounters with the deceased yeah but Kevin Smith says one of his big regrets is he never did a podcast with Alan Rickman because they were buddies Mm. and then he died and he never got the chance but they were really close, so like, I think that makes it almost hurt worse for him. But I, I feel like, you know, you, you got enough. Not to be like you shouldn't be sad about that. But I'm like, okay, you, you clearly he appreciated you, <laughs> so you shouldn't beat yourself up over it. Is what I'm yeah. saying. Sadly, yeah. his biggest regret is not Jersey Girl. Um. <laughs> I actually like that movie, and I will fight y'all over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making a joke. I know, I, but I think you know, I know. I, it's hard to disassociate yourself. From uh, the emotionality of a thing that you're in, that you're a part of, you know, it's it's hard to have an interview with somebody that makes you feel a certain way and 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 want to put something together that is a tribute to them, that is also uh, a tribute to what your friendship was, but there is also something that you know you put out into the world that other people will ha- give the same value to it. And I think that you 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 want to put it out there in such a way that the people that listen to it understand not only where you're coming from, but it gives them insight into the, who this person was yeah. or gives them an idea of, of, of what that relationship might have been without them even knowing who either of you are. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to take yourself out. It might have been... And it's hard to let anybody else edit that kind of stuff for you. You, yeah. can't, you can't... It's hard to, you know, give up your baby and let somebody else, um, you know... Uh, cut it up. It's a job that uh, that's a terrible to... analogy I just made. <laughs> Solomon. Yeah. It's a job that hurts to do, yeah. but you know you have to do. I mean, yeah, you know, I, my podcast. I, you know, I, I interview all these other people about losses that they've experienced, and I talk about my own stuff a little bit as well. But I, I tend to, f- I find that listening to some of that stuff also, it, 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 it's it's hard to listen to that type of material and not have it affect you in some way, mm-hmm. even uh, even more so when when it's really close to you. So right. Yeah, I thought it was a very well done episode. I was, I, I, you know, I was touched by it. I think there were definitely, 
uh, as you intercut and you talk, I mean, there was definitely, you know, real emotion in there from you yeah. uh, in setting up some of the clips that was undeniable. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to cut a lot of the emotion out. I felt like I got too emotional at a certain point when I was editing and I'm like, All right, I don't I don't need to get that emotional to the public. I like that you did okay. a lot of uh, your Ralphie Mae impressions on there. Yeah. You know? how, how is that? All right. I thought it was good. Yeah. Danny yeah. Lobel. Danny Lobel. Bar- borrow my car. Oh, my God. You. I still love I think you opened an episode once with, or maybe it was an opening of um, of Perfect Ten, the podcast we yeah. all used to do together. It was a voicemail he left you where he was trying to get you to borrow his car. He's going, Danny, borrow my car. Don't be a Jew. Don't be a Jew. It's <laughs> <laughs> just delightful. Oh, man. He was problematic, he was but delightful. <laughs> He was very, very funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never got to <laughs> I meet him. can't repeat some of the voicemails I got. <laughs> I'm sure they yeah. were <laughs> career-ending. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I, I did an interview um, for season 10 with Skylar Stone okay. um, a few weeks ago, and we also got back into the um, – I knew it was going to happen, but, you know, we got back into Ralphie Memorial territory there because. Oh, was he friends with them, too? Yeah. And, and I had him also on the um, on that uh, memorial episode. You may have forgot because I brought a lot of people in. Yeah. Yeah. But he was um, one of the people who I called and I called people who who I met through him. And right. Right. And so Skylar was one of them. But that's a really fascinating uh, episode. But uh, you'll hear it hopefully when you hear the it. The part with your cousin. Yeah. Uh, who. Just loved out Ralphie and, uh, you know, was, uh, talking about, how uh, you know, I can't even do the, the voice, but that, right, that, right. that stuff was, uh, was, was, was touching as well. Yeah. <laughs> My cousin. Being I mean, he's a lunatic, but, you know, lunatic. the best kind, <laughs> best kind of lunatic. Yes, he is. He is wonderful. I was just with him in Scotland and, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he never got to meet Ralphie in person. Just, yeah. it, just, I'd put them on the phone with right. each other. Yeah. And, uh, I traded emails with him once. Yeah, yeah, because I wrote that sketch for him, and I was like, "Thank you for doing oh, it." Oh, with he, Ralphie, not yeah. my cousin. No, I've never I met your cousin. I was like, "When did you email with my cousin?" I don't even know if he does. E- I guess he must. <laughs> I have talked to one of your brothers on the phone. I just can't remember which one. Yeah. Um. But but you got the email with Ralphie. Yeah, because I thanked him, and he wrote back this very nice reply, and I was like, "Oh, I can't wait to meet him someday," because I can be like, hey, "You wrote my. I watched you on TV as a kid, and you did my sketch, and it made me so happy." Yeah. And then he died before I got to. Which that that was cool. I got Alex a job writing uh, some stuff. For Ralphie and yeah. and he nailed it. Nice. It, it was, was a very great. fun gig. Ralphie loved it. Yeah. yeah. I still, whenever I feel bad about my comedy, I'm like, well, I have that. Yeah. I had Ralph. Ralphie was a fan there of my go. sketches, at least. Yeah. He was a good dude. Very. And then the Howard Lapidus one, we kind of touched on it a little bit when we were talking about Barry Katz. Yeah. But I never intended for that to be on Modern Day Philosophers. I didn't know what I was ever going to do with that interview. I when just was that recorded? When I first moved to L.A. Okay. I don't know, like seven years ago, something Sounds like, like that. Was that leftover comical radio? I couldn't, I couldn't tell. No, I just, I, I moved to LA. I, I got a spot at the Improv, and this old guy comes up to me and tells me, like, you know, he's a manager, but he doesn't really manage comedians. Want to be anymore. in Freddie Got Fingered too? Yeah, he's like, oh, I, I used to manage comedians. I don't really do that much anymore. I'm, I'm more on the uh, pr- production end of stuff for Dr. Drew now, but. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, you know, something like you were really funny and you, you know, keep it up or something like that. And then we started talking I'm like, oh, you work with Dr. Drew. And um, he says, yeah. And I used to produ- produce Loveline with Adam Carolla. And and uh, and then he and then he's like, oh, and I used to do the man show with Adam and Jimmy. And I'm like, wow, you've done all these things. And I said, I'd love to interview you sometime. And he's like, for what? <laughs> and I'm like, to have. 
He's like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, oh, you put it that way. So, uh, Just so, from our own personal archives? <laughs> yeah, so I, I I recorded it, and I always had it sitting there like, what am I going to do with this? I, I think yeah. it's a great interview, but it, it doesn't fit the genre of this show. or so, You know. You didn't I, pick a philosopher for him. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> right. th- there was no modern-day philosophers right. back then. Yeah. Um, you know what I really regret is, um, you know, you were, you were mentioning um, – Kevin Smith's big regret. My big regret is that I didn't interview Don Rickles. I had the opportunity because yeah. I asked. I, I, yeah, I, you I, dummy. <laughs> I, I love Don Rickles. I never got to meet him, but I, I used to I, I still know his cousin really well. And uh, they, they were very close. Mm-hmm. And I asked her to ask Don on my behalf if he would do this podcast. And she and she asked him and he wrote me an email. And he said, Greetings, um, dummy. <laughs> Hello, dummy. Hello, moron. <laughs> he said. Uh, he said. What does it pay? He regrets to tell me that he he won't do the podcast because he said uh, once I do one person's podcast, I'll have to do all these podcasts. He said, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to get into doing everyone's podcast. And I've had to turn down some very big people already. And if I, because if I do one of their podcasts, then the other one will say you yeah. you did his. You got to do mine. Okay. And it's endless. He says, but if you have any other project for me, I'll, I'll make it up to you. I'll do that project. Oh, that's sweet. And I was like, that's awesome. But I didn't want to force a fake project. I felt like that would be so <laughs> right. In, you know, do a reality show about making the fake project for Don Rickles, where he doesn't know it's a fake project. Well, he's dead now. I, I mean, know, it's I know. over. I, I should have just you made had a, a window. fake project and, and said, okay, I want to interview you for this fake project, and then yeah. gone and, and got to meet him and interviewed him and and had that interview or something, but. I just was I played it too honestly. I was just like, all right, when something comes up, I'll bring it up to him. Yeah. Well, that was really nice and of him to write uh, you back. He always seemed like a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw him live uh, a couple years ago, but you know, about a year or so before he died at uh, in, in Atlantic City. Yeah. He was very good. I saw him a year before he died at the Savant Theater in um, in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. Did he do like a Q&A thing with him and Regis? No, Regis no. wasn't there. No, it was him and Regis doing. Uh, he was in a chair that whole time. He, he was, was in a chair, yeah. He was not 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 walking around. Yeah, yeah. Well, but thanks good. for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Don. <laughs> we always like to end by mentioning a bunch of dead people that you loved. Whose podcast is this? It <laughs> 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 slowly become where's the green? Right, <laughs> and, and then, then we'll go I'm out singing and call yeah. it Broadway Baby. It'll or we're gonna do uh, what, what's the song that uh, that Don used to sing? Remember now. Uh, my neck, my back. <laughs> <laughs> I put my phone on airplane mode, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, Dan, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mr. Warmth, what they, what, the, whatever the song was, I forget the name of it. I, I remember the the music they brought him on to. Yeah. That matador. Right. Anyway. Guys, check out Alex Fasella's Broadway Baby Please. podcast. Check out Jordan Ferber's Where's the Grief? And make sure you tune in for next season of Modern Day Philosophers. Uh, we've got some really good ones coming up. Like I mentioned, Skylar Stone, Dan Soder is going to be on the next season. Season 10. And Danny has told me I could repeat philosophers after season 10. I'm tired. Wow. <laughs> I won't jump to it as a first option. Yeah. Well, there are extra quotes, right? You don't. You can pull different quotes yeah. from yeah. them. Nope. Like we did Nietzsche right away, and I did a thing he's not known for, and now I'm just like, I blew Nietzsche. Not <laughs> blew Nietzsche, <laughs> but I, I wasted Nietzsche. 
Um, that would be a story. Yeah, if you if you gave Nietzsche a blowjob, good thing good, there's no God watching. <laughs> <laughs> would that make me the Ubermensch or him? I don't know. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, 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 oh, and next season, I have an interview with one of my favorite comedians in the world, who many of the uh, people in America probably won't know, but to our insignificant non-American listeners. <laughs> By advertiser standards. You mean nothing. You mean nothing to the advertisers. <laughs> Put everything to us. Uh, e- Tommy Tiernan. Oh, Tommy Tiernan. Is going to be on the yes, next I gave season. him Albert Einstein. I am titillated yeah, he, to hear Tommy Tiernan. Tommy Tiernan was great. Uh, I- Irish comedian. If you don't know him, Google him. Watch his stuff. And, uh, and then listen to the interview in season 10. Do it. And lots of other great ones coming up, too. I've got some that I recovered from, that I recorded over a year ago from that memory card. I've got Nick Vatteret, which Sweet. is a, a great one that was recorded ages ago, you know? Yep. And it was um, about Don Quixote. Don Quixote, yeah. right, right, right. Nice. Yeah, I've been pushing it with more like psychoanalysts and, and writers and stuff, and I'm just like, okay, no one's mad at me. Good. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was running out of Greeks. Mm. People, people like it. Yeah. So, uh, so that'll, that'll be hopefully coming out next season. And maybe I'll leave the other ones a surprise. There's some really good ones, so you'll have to tune in to find out. Mm. Season 10, chocked full of goodies. goodies. That how you jam-packed. Jam-packed. Another jam-packed season of Modern Day Philosophers. Join yeah. the cult after the intro song. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And Alex, of course, again, thank you so much for all the hard work you do behind the scenes. Thank you for letting me do this. And uh, Logan Heftel, if you're tuning into this, uh, thank you as well. We, uh, we love you, and we are grateful to you. And Jordan Ferber, I got nothing to say. To you. Uh, listen, I'm here. I don't need. I don't. I don't need anything beyond just having been here. Oh, I'm <laughs> so re- zen. Thank you for being here, man, and thanks for tuning into the show. Honored to have you as a listener. Uh, thank you. you know, we've got some pretty high quality listeners. We do. We got. So, we've got some amazing people that write in. By the way, I'll use this as just a segue in there. Leave five stars and a nice. Please review. do. Please. It really helps. And we'll read it. I read it. I didn't yeah. used to want to read them, and then somebody told me, well, if you read them, people will do it more. Yeah. And then I read one, and then somebody wrote me who who, ri- who wrote it and said, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to read it. <laughs> I was like, Son, what do you want from me? <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. You're being gaslit by your own fan base. <laughs> They're like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> I thought people liked it. I've been told. This cult is never taken off. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you with season 10. All right. Thank you, everybody, again for tuning in to the show. That was the season nine wrap-up show. Thanks to Alex Pacella for all the hard work you do behind the scenes of the show and Logan Heftel for mastering the audio and, of course, my buddy Jordan Feiber, the hilarious Jordan Feiber, the host of the Where's the Grief podcast. Also, check out Alex's Broadway Baby podcast and Mark Linsenmayer's Pretty Much Pop podcast, prettymuchpop.com. You can check out my episode. But I'm sure you'll be very busy and you won't have that much time for podcasts once you check out Skillshare. And uh, again, I want to thank Skillshare. Modern Day Philosophers Today is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare, the online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills, everything from photography to creative writing, design, illustration, animation, filmmaking, and more. Whether you're returning to a longtime passion project 
challenging yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes just for you. And I've been checking them out. I mentioned one earlier that I checked out. Let me tell you about another one. This one is under illustration, and it's drawing on everything. Discovering Your Creative Voice by Chantel Martin. Very, very highly recommend that one. There are so many other ones. Uh, if you're into illustration, Illustration by Design, A Guide to Elevating Your Drawing Skills. Color Masterclass, Simple Steps to Create Vivid Art. It's all there under Best of Illustration, and there are so many other categories. Depending on what you're into, Skillshare has something for you. And you can try it with this no-risk trial, two months for free. Absolutely for free, just for my listeners. And all you have to do is go to Skillshare.com slash MDP. Go to Skillshare.com slash MDP and start your two months today. That's Skillshare.com slash MDP. Two months free. Unlimited access to thousands of videos. Thousands of classes for free. Check it out. Skillshare.com slash MDP. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to telling you all kinds of great stories. I'm a father now. I have a lot to talk about in Season 10, and I hope you will be there to hear it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye for now, everybody. Bye-bye. So long. Farewell.